Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing. Nothing but pure sports. This is the JP Show. JP, it is so good to hear you back on the air. Stand by. Now, here's JP. All right. Welcome into a Thursday edition of the JP Peterson Show here. As uh, we get it rolling, we got lots to get to today. Bucks at the com- Combine. It feels like a, 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 an elementary school day for me. A bad report card. A really bad report card for the Bucks. I mean, I don't even think they want to bring that home to mom. Uh, so we'll get into that. Um, the Bolts back in action tonight, trying to shake off uh, a horrific third period in Philadelphia, uh, especially Vassy. We got combine news. We got Rays uh, on the field and off the field news. We got so much to get to. We only have one guest today. Uh, Dan Lucas will join us at 11 o'clock. We had a lot yesterday, so a lot more we can get into today. Uh, specifically, so I'll welcome in my co-host this morning from On3 Sports, Nick Geddes. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, but you, you went too far back, at least in my situation, with the whole report card thing. Oh, yeah. If, if my mom's listening, I know she knows that my, some of my high school ones look like that just a little bit. <laughs> sweating it out, sweating it out to get to college sometimes, but it's all I, good. You know, believe it or not, believe it or not, I was a, I was a really good student. I, I very much enjoyed school. Um, I, I got into school except for math. I freaking hated math, but, um, you know, did, you know, fairly well had got, usually got good grades. Never, my mom was never on my ass because I just did it, you know, um, and school wasn't, you know, public school wasn't that hard <laughs> to be quite honest. Well, we had very public different school. childhoods then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I saw some of the stuff my kids got at Cambridge Christian, like that was hard. But public school in the 70s and 80s, not that hard. Um, I don't know. It just didn't seem that way to me. And FSU was was certainly um, – uh, it wasn't Harvard. Let's just put it that way. Um, but it, it, so I, I was – my report cards were always pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. A lot better than what the Bucks got yesterday. Oh, yeah. A lot better than what the Bucks got yesterday. So I want to dig into that and and what it really means. Um, at first blush, uh, well, it, it – it seems like champagne problems. I mean, you've been over there. I I've spent a lot of time at one buck place. I mean, the indoor facility is fabulous. Um, you know, the building itself has been around since 2006 and people make it sound like, Oh, it's archaic. It's, it's less than 20 years old for God's sakes. I mean, the media facilities are, are great. They're fantastic. The press conference rooms, um, uh, the meeting rooms, we go in there, you know, we do all the press conferences there. They're fabulous. Um, I we go into the locker rooms. I, you know, I've been in the locker room there. I've been to Florida State's locker room. They're they're re, they redid redid their locker rooms. They're they're very similar. Um, I haven't been into. I, I've been to Falcons locker rooms back in 2013 to 14. The Bucks facilities are better than the Falcons facilities, in my opinion. Um, you know, I've not been. You know, they got uh, they got dinged for having bugs in the shower and a sauna that's smelly. In a locker room that's smelly. I have never been in a locker room that's not smelly. <laughs> it's a locker room. You play in Florida. Like your stuff is gonna smell, you know, not not and it's not like horrific. It's not like walking into a high school locker room. You walk into a high school locker room these days, like hmm. you just like oof. I mean, you get knocked over. I mean, that's bad. You walk into the Bucks locker room, they got a ping pong table in the middle, foosball. Uh, every hydration drink you could ever want, uh, every 
snack you could ever want. Healthy snack, of course. I mean, TVs everywhere, um, big locker room spaces. I, I mean, I guess they're probably better in other places, but man, I mean, I what are we bitching about here? What I mean, I, I, I mean, even if you look across the board, like we're we're gonna like obviously talk about the Buck situation, but yeah. there's a lot of teams that graded poorly across the board. I mean, Kansas City got like Fs in like a lot of categories, including ownership. Like I think they finished almost dead last, or maybe they did finish or they next got an to F Washington. In ownership, yeah, yeah, they got an F minus in ownership, F minus, yeah. like. And this is the franchise that literally is the di- the dynasty that we're watching in the NFL. So, and then you contrast that to the Dolphins, who got like A's across the board, just about. They were like number one. Like, mm-hmm. there's no like correlation between the winning franchises and these no, report none. cards. And when I when I looked at these things, I mean, you talk about the locker rooms. You know, I've never been to any of the other facilities, obviously. So when I see one buck place, I go, man, this looks really nice, especially after they upgraded it and everything. And the indoor facility on top of that, like, it looks like a state-of-the-art type of facility. Yeah. But I don't know what the other ones look like. I imagine that something that's going on in L.A. looks a lot shinier and better than what Tampa looks like, okay? But it does seem a a little bit like champagne problems. Uh, The one that was getting a lot of play was the treatment of families. Yeah, yeah. They got an F in in that, didn't they? They got an F in that. But listen, there was four teams that got an F-, two got an F, Three got a D minus, two got a D, five got a D plus. Like over half the league graded out horribly in treatment of families. And I guess it comes down to because they charge the players to for health uh, for uh, child, child yeah ninety dollars ninety dollars per child, which was more than some of the other teams. Like the Chargers are getting flack for charging like seventy five, right. and the Bucks charge ninety. I mean, I don't know it. it Ninety dollars, like, is that? I don't have, I don't have children, so I don't know how much childcare costs on the reg. That's that's about right. Childcare is ridiculous these days. Right, it's ridiculous. But again, these are but all. Here's, here's you know, my thing. These are millionaires you and make, billionaires yeah, that are like, you make so much yeah. money. Shut the f up. You have to pay for childcare. So other other teams do. I guess eleven teams don't pay for childcare. You make. You make you're making millions of dollars, and even if you're a rookie, you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars. You, right. You're complaining about childcare. What do you think, you know, Joe, Mom, and Pop are over here doing? You know, they got working two jobs. They got to pay three grand a month in childcare. You got you. I mean, boo hoop, freaking who? I mean, this. I mean, NFLPA. I got. I got. I got news for you. Shut the f up. Nobody cares. And yeah. then, and and then the um, there was another one, which you know, uh, and you can also, also team team travel too. The Bucks came out yeah. with an F as well. And I was gonna put out there. I'm like. You're an NFL team. I don't understand how much more, like, like when it comes to travel, like the hotels you're staying in and the plane that you're traveling on, like, I don't know what else you're asking for, I guess, when it comes to that. And let's also keep in mind when it comes to all these issues, especially treatment of families, this is the same franchise, correct me if I'm wrong, that relocated everybody's, you know, wives yeah. and family, yes. kids, yes. dogs, all that for the hurricane two years ago. So yep. how bad can they be? Yeah, that was that's what. Let, let's look at Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett got released yesterday. I read his wife's Instagram post thanking right. the Buccaneers and the organization for everything they've done, and with glowing, glowing uh, uh, reports. I mean, come on, what are we talking about? Like, so travel. Okay, I know this was a while ago, but when we used to travel with the Bucks, this was like early two thousands when I was at Channel Eight. 
we went to we, we flew with the team to Tokyo. Okay, you you know, huge huge airliners, extra seat, extra big seats, all that stuff. Like literally, they did not stop feeding you. Like they would come around, they they gave you a snack when you got on the plane. Then they'd come around with ice cream and other stuff like an hour later, and then another meal, and then snacks, and then a meal. And it was just like, it was ridiculous. It's like flying first class all the time. And you're on your flight charter. Um, you get it, you, you stay in the best hotels, you stay in the Ritz when you go to New Orleans, you stay at the, the finest hotels in America when you travel. Now, I found it a little odd that the younger players um, share rooms. That seems a little odd. You got to pay an extra $1,700 a year if you want your own room. So pay the money. It's a business expense. I mean, you're making a crap ton of money. Now, I, now I could flip it around and say, team, you're making a crap ton of money. That's an extra, what, $100,000 to Correct. give the guys their own rooms, and which I think you would want anyway because guys aren't sleeping well with other guys in the room snoring or doing whatever. They're, you know, It's like you want your own room. Like and you want them to sleep well the night before the game. So I would think that that from a competitive advantage standpoint, I wouldn't want everybody to have their own room. Um, of course, you know that's younger players. You can do whatever the hell you want um, if you have your own room. So maybe that's maybe that's a bad thing. But that just seems it seems weird. It, it's like why why wouldn't you cover the costs on one end and then the other part is like you guys are making plenty of money. Shut the hell up. You know everybody. You don't get. I think I think NFL players and athletes in general especially now feel like everything should be free. Like everything should be free. In fact, so many times players will walk into restaurants and bars and expect it to be free. And when they get a check, they're like somehow insulted, you know, like welcome to the real world. And you guys make the most money. Why the hell right. shouldn't you pay? Or at least tip heavily. And a lot of them do. Most of them do, but it's just, I don't know this, the, these things and it's put out by the NFLPA. It's all, you know, done anonymously. So when we, and that's the thing, when we talk to the players, they have nothing but glowing recommendations about the organization. Right. I mean, listen to what Mike Evans says. Look at by Baker Mayfield looking. I mean, they're, they're all, they, I, now of course it's different. You don't want to put it out in public, I guess, but still, I mean, come on. It's also interesting. A lot of the players have always speak highly of Todd Bowles. And we talked a lot about how this team yeah. rallied around him. It seemed I like found that the season. I found it interesting. So he got a B minus on this scale. Most of the head coaches actually, like half the league, got an A minus or better, or more than half the league actually. So a lot of people mm -hmm. love their head coach. Todd Bowles got a B minus in head mm -hmm. coach, and he only finished above. And this was going off of, I guess, twenty twenty three. He finished above Arthur Smith, Ron Rivera, and uh, Josh McDaniels. So <laughs> it's a triumvirate, right? I there. found that one a little bit more interesting, to be honest with you. Well, I think that issues. I think that's I think that's for a couple reasons. Number one, Devin White. Devin White. I think I think, and I know for a fact that there were players that were not okay with the way that was handled. Not it, it, so. I think that was. I think that's the number one problem they have with Todd Bowles is personnel, because guys know they're in the film room. They know who should be playing and who shouldn't be playing and who's making the mistakes and who's not. And, and I think also, and this is where I think Bowles could, could probably learn something, is when he's covering for players and not calling out players, what happens is we in the media 
and I think a lot of people in the media that maybe aren't as learned as others, um, we end up blaming the wrong person. And I'm sure I've done it because if I don't know the call, I can, and I say this when we look at tape, right? And we talk about things on the air. It's like, I don't know the call, but it appears to me. But I could, but if you don't know the call, you don't know who's at fault. And sometimes when you're trying to uh, cover up for your players, what you're doing is leaving everybody exposed to criticism that shouldn't be exposed to criticism. And I'm sure when it came to Devin White, that happened a lot. I'm sure that happened a lot where, you know, the defense is getting criticized, other players are getting criticized, and they all know it's Devin White's fault, and then they they see their head coach go to the podium and praise him. That doesn't sit well with players. And it's not just with the Devin White situation. It's other things as well. And and trust me, the players are, are sitting there on the sideline going, why aren't we using our timeouts? What are we doing here? What, what Why did we not challenge that call? Players are doing that. Yeah, and, and even they even like put like a uh, – like it said, the players feel that Todd Bowles is somewhat – willing to listen to the locker room. And in that facet, they graded 25th overall, or he graded 25th overall out of 32 head coaches. Yeah, that's interesting, right? So um, not that they sh- you know, they should just definitely be listening to the, the locker room. I mean, you know, sometimes that could be a bad idea. But um, I think, you know, a B minus and B- that being 26th in the league, I think that's, I think that's real. That, that, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. And- and I was going to say the other thing too is, um, like ownership got a D minus, and that was uh, that's 29th. And the big one is because it's showing an unwillingness to invest in the facilities, which again I understand. Like everyone, they the big marks against them were the saunas and the locker rooms and all that. But in regards to investing in the facilities themselves, I mean, I think the indoor practice facility was a big game changer. Yeah, I feel like everybody universally wanted that, needed that, mm-hmm. and they got that, and it's a state of the art looking indoor facility. Um, I don't know how if they if they count Raymond James Stadium towards it, but they put a lot of money into Raymond James Stadium. That locker room's fantastic. There's nothing wrong with that to make it look room. really nice, and even like yeah. the stadium itself. I mean, I think Raymond James Stadium doesn't get its due as a really nice stadium around the league. Great playing surface. Uh, One of the it best is interesting, in the though. It it just is interesting though because we already know about the Glazers and, and right. how the Man United contingency feels about them, mm-hmm. and then they get this grade from the Bucks, and it's like, huh. yeah, well, interesting. Yeah, I, you know, it, it, what's interesting is when, when you look at the facilities, especially the the the, uh, the practice facility, think about this. Think about where these guys are coming from. Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. You know what? They have better facilities. That's true. They do. Yeah. And people say, well, how can that be in college? Because they are not paying the players. They're right. not paying like the players. Florida, didn't Florida just spend, what was it, 85 yes. million total yes. on a, just a football only facility? Yes. Yes. So they're coming from these football factories where they got bowling alleys in their football only facilities. They've got, you know, all the video games they want. You know, the, the, all these things that they have are awesome. And their and their weightlifting facilities. Yeah. The weightlifting room at FSU is better than the one at the Buccaneers. I mean, that's because they have, you know, that's where they spend their money. They're not paying the players. So how did, you know, back in pre-NIL days, they spend all that money to get an recruiting advantage. So I guess if they're comparing the Bucks facilities to those facilities, those facilities essentially are not market-based. Like the NFL wants to turn a profit. So they can't just spend hundreds of millions of dollars every five years on updating their facilities where the colleges can, and they use it as a recruiting advantage because they don't have to pay the players. So you got to keep that in mind. They're coming, they're coming. Well, I had this in college and it's not as good in in the pros. Well, that's why, 
That's why. It, it, does it make it bad? No, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. Trust me, I've been in there. It's fantastic. So I don't know. I, I would think the things that would give me pause are the head coach thing, which, you know, we've talked about. We love Todd Bowles as a human, but, you know, we've detailed his deficiencies as a head coach. And I think it rings true in the report card as well. And the ownership thing, I don't know. I, I, I tend to believe my eyes you know, I know that they know a lot more. They're behind the scenes. They hear, but I also think that it's a little bit of being spoiled. Like, like I said, the, the Chiefs ownership led by Clark Hunt got an F minus. Right. So, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't, I don't think. I mean, I don't pretend to know the ins and outs of how everything works in Kansas City. Right. But I do know three Super Bowl rings when I see it. Yeah. And I know yeah. putting the right people in place: head coach, general manager, cap people. Yeah. Obviously, the quarterback. I know all those things. So. Would that bother me as much as I was a Chiefs fan? Like, oh, my ownership got an F minus. Yeah, eh, probably not. Um, yeah, this whole this whole talk though, and like you know, I know times have changed and everything, obviously. And this is going back, you know, just almost fifty years ago. But it's almost like I almost had a call back to remember when the Bucks first were a franchise back in nineteen seventy six. And there's some great like documentaries and videos about that first training camp. Yeah, that the yeah. Bucks had. Yeah, and what were they staying in like? Like worse quality than like a Motel Six or something. Yeah, it was awful. It was it was, awful. It was horrendous. I mean, it was I was like, there. I was covering the team when they had the outdoor weight room right. at one buck place. Are you kidding me? Uh, where the jet fu- literally and the jet fumes are real. Like when they when the planes were taken off to the to the north when they were going to the north and they they would rally at the south end of the runway, which is right where one buck place was, and they would gas it up. You know, before they before they release the brake and head down the, the the tarmac, the runway. I mean, they're they're like, that's when the and the, you the fumes would just literally overwhelm you. I mean, <laughs> what's disgusting? And then the outdoor, and not to mention the noise. By the way, the noise. I mean, it was. I mean, when I first went there, I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like, this is unbelievable. This is a this is an NFL franchise." This is what I mean. I, and that's what I was coming from Florida State in the in the nineties, where they had just built the Moore Center, which was really nice, and a new locker room, which was really nice. Facilities, they you know they had an it, it was nice, not like they have today, not even close, but still nice, way better than what the Bucks had. I mean, the Bucks locker room was small. They would literally eat. There was a hallway where um, oh, what was his was his name Carlos? Carlos. They had a, a local caterer would come in and set up like tables on the wall in the hallway and, and literally frying up sandwiches on a little griddle, making smoothies for the players, uh, little, you know, little chafing dishes that they would put out for the meals. That, that was their, that was their meal service on a daily basis. So when they moved into the new facility, it was unbelievable. And it still is. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw the glazers and the organization under the bus for a lot of these things. It sounds like more champagne problems for the, with the NFLPA in a way. And I think it's a way for them to get improvements, you know, for their, for their union. So they're doing right. what they should do, but I'm not going to put a whole lot of stock. Yeah, into I it. think you hit the nail on the head that the, the influx of money that's been pumped into all these college facilities. Yeah. Has, I don't know. It's, spoiled. Made, I guess it would say it's made, yeah, you could use spoil. That's probably yeah, a better way to the put players. it. Yeah. it it's, it's just made things unrealistic. I think when you get to the NFL and you think that because there's like even more money in the NFL than there is in college, that it's going to be just completely even better. But I don't know how much better you could get when it's in college. 
I, I don't. Yeah, it's it's um it's a phenomenal facility on its own. Uh, you can nitpick stuff, and and maybe the sauna is not as nice as they would like. But you know, shut up. Um, but we'll see. You know, we'll I, see where. I guess it, the reason why they got a lot of pushback because remember about we were a decade ago there was the whole MRSA outbreak yeah. that happened. Yeah, in that's Lawrence bad. Tines. That's bad. I think that's yeah. the reason why the optics look bad is because that happened over a decade ago, and then the big complaint we're seeing now is a dirty locker room, a smelly locker room, bugs. You know, a sauna that players seem to not want to use or whatever. I think that's where most of the flack comes from, to be honest. Yeah. Um, all right. A couple of things from the combine for the Bucks. Um, Rick Stroud has an article this morning about how Devin White is not one of their free agent targets. Um, I don't know why this is news. <laughs> I don't know why this is news. Yeah, I love um, Jason's answer the other day, by the way. I love what, that what, what was it? Uh, they were asked, like, you know, if you, you spoke to Devin White and he's like, no, we have other priorities right now. Yeah. Essentially yeah. saying it ain't happening. Yeah. He's, I mean, he was cut like midway through the season. When you get benched in your fifth year, you know, for, for KJ Britt, who by the way, I think is, is a much better player. Um, and it was long overdue, uh, in in JJ Russell. I mean, Devin's probably the fourth, fourth best linebacker on the team, uh, maybe fifth behind Servasia. Who knows? You know, he's not a priority and he wants, you know, go. And by the way, um, can I get some Vegas odds on him getting that hundred million dollar deal? Can I get some odds on that? I'm going to say it's going to be a little below market for him. I don't even um, know what value I put on him. I he he's a he, I, he's a polarizing one to me. Yeah, because again, his reputation is still kind of like more people have caught on to the fact that hey, Devin ain't that guy that you think yeah. he is. But yeah. what was it? Ray Lewis at the Pro Bowl said he was a top five linebacker in the league. Yeah, yeah. it's like I see stuff <laughs> like that, and I'm like, man, like I mean, Ray should know better. I think Ray should know better. Yeah. Well, it just goes like I think a lot of these guys, you think Ray, you think Ray Lewis is is diving into the film. No, 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 no. no. He's got better things to do. He's not he's not that but the guys that do dive into the film, the PFFs of the world, um, they know. They know. I'm I'm still shocked that every time Jonathan Vilma does a game, as good of a linebacker as he was and as smart as he is, he continues to say that Devin White is one of the best linebackers in the league. And I'm just like, dude, that's embarrassing on your you're embarrassing yourself when you talk that way. Um, so I, it's, it's weird. It is weird. And I think, you know, you know, and, and Jonathan Vilma of all people should know that splash plays do not make an inside linebacker. You want guys that are consistent and doing their job and stopping the run and filling the playing their gap and doing all the right things and, you know, making the tackles in the open field, being able to cover, do, doing the, you know, not taking the bait on every single, you know, red zone package where they, where they abuse you and, and, and right. score easy and, touchdowns. And to be honest. To be honest, even if Devin had balled out this year and had a really strong season, and let's say he made a Pro Bowl and he was he made improvements in coverage and all these other things, yeah, I actually tend to see. I actually tend to think that it still would not change much. No, of the Bucks' pursuit of him because of the way the season unfolded. Nobody envisioned, and I think you're lying to yourself if you thought it was going to happen. Nobody envisioned the fact that after the year that that we had with Baker, that all of a sudden we're going to have to dish potentially over a hundred million total. Yeah. To that quarterback, that particular quarterback. I don't think anybody envisioned that happening. No. To be honest with you. So even if Devin had balled out, I still think Devin at best would have been fifth on the priority list behind the yeah. big four that we already know the Bucks are going to have to spend I, I think a lot of their resources behind to get McLaughlin to. Probably. 
Probably yeah. they're not. Obviously, the money for Chase is, would be would have been a lot different, regardless. But yeah, in order of importance, I don't think Devin would have changed much. Yeah, um, I, I I don't either. I mean, especially like in terms of a long term expensive contract. Yeah, hell at that no. position. Hell no, no. Especially when you you know KJ Britt comes in and plays better than he does. And it would, it's going to be a much lower cost option in all the other priorities. No, it wouldn't have changed a thing. You're hundred percent right. Uh, and that's as it should be. Um, so I, you know, if, if that's in a development at the combine, I don't think it's a yeah. development anywhere really. Yeah. But I, I don't I think, think anyone expected him to, to, to be back. Yeah. I do think it's clear though. And, and Todd Bowles is, he, he was pretty blunt about it. You know, he said that he was frustrated all season long with the, the four-man front and the pressure that he got from those packages. Yeah. I mean, it, we already knew this, but it's clear that this is priority number one, and I've been saying it. If the Bucks are going to get to the next level, you've got to get a bona fide stud of a pass rusher. And in a perfect world, Yaya Diaby is a two, and you find a one. And it's difficult to do, but it seems like the Bucks are going to do that. It seems, I mean, and, and listen, everybody meets with all these guys at the Combine, so... Okay, the Bucks met with Jared Verse. Cool, they're not going to get Jared Verse, but they're going to do their due diligence just about on every pass rusher possible uh, yeah. to try to get one of those potentially at twenty six. So their priorities are in the right place of what they have to get to upgrade this football team. I, I love the fact that you know it's it's kind of twofold. Like the the edge class is kind of downplayed, right? There's there's not that many great ones in the strap, is what everybody says. And you know the, the thing about edge is there's guys there. You just don't know who they are, right? You know, sometimes a guy like Shaq Barrett is going to get stuck behind a Von Miller. It's going to be undrafted, you know, get no D1 offers. He's just a different kind of cat, a late bloomer, so to speak. There are guys like that in the draft. You got to find them. You got to find them. And I'm not sitting here telling you who they are. I don't know who they are. It's not my job to, 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 I don't have time to break down <laughs> 10,000 hours of film. You know, that's what the Buck scouts are doing. So there's, they're there. Um, I mean, look, the Bucks found one in the third round and Yaya Diaby, right? right? So I'm not sitting here saying that he's already an all pro, but that kid is super raw. And we saw flashes of, we always say great shows up early, right? Well, that showed up early. He, he definitely plateaued as the season went on. Um, but, uh, he's got a huge, huge upside. Yeah. The, the difference is between what I mentioned, uh, when I was talking to Scott on the pewter report podcast a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Yaya is like, he's in a certain tier of player. And like, I use like pass rush win rate as a, as a good stat. Um, and his win rate, I think as a pass rusher was down at like 7% or something like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas the guy that I'm talking about that you ideally need will Anderson, the same draft class. He got drafted third overall, I believe right. in Houston, right. His pass rush win rate was almost 15%. Mm. Like, that is like what I'm talking about. When I yeah. say that Yaya is a two, it's not a knock. It's just the reality of yeah. what he is right now. And if you want to get one of those special guys, that's what I'm talking about. It looks like Will Anderson. But again, yeah. the Bucks are not in a spot necessarily to get one of those guys. And I don't foresee them, nor do I really want them to throw the money at a guy like a Brian Burns or someone like that on the free agency market. I just don't think they're going to be able to. No, um, and, you know, look, and I understand you're going to overpay in free agency anyway, but those, you know, those top edge guys, it's just too much money. You you can, it's like, okay, I, we're not going to get 18 sacks from this guy, but if I can go find a guy and you've mentioned a couple of them that are on, that'll be on the market um, that, you know, are, are more specialists, right? Right. Um, you know, I can get 12 and a half from those guys for 6 million. 
you know, and, and, you know, giving, having one edge rusher that can beat a guy every time, you know, like a JJ Watt, like a, you know, uh, um, Max Crosby, having those guys, it just, it helps. And, and Todd Bowles knows this. It just helps you tremendously. You can get pressure with four. It just allows you to do so much more defensively. But that being said, you know, the, the Bucks have a lot of weapons in terms of pass rushing skills. Um, you know, and I think Kalijah Kansi is one of them, and he's just going to get better and better. I mean, the more you look at his tape this year, that kid is going to be special. When he learns and has a full offseason, uh, gets a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, um, I think he's going to be phenomenal. Vita Vea can definitely pick it up. Um, there's more in Yaya Diaby. Um, you know, I'm not, we're not sitting here waiting for JTS to do anything. That's, that's not, that ship has sailed. Um, but they, you know, they've got some things. They just, they're going to have to, I think, pick at least two guys that they think can rush the passer this year from the outside. I don't know yeah. where they're coming from or who they are. Oh, sign one in free agency and, and take one in the draft. So, right. And even, but even, that. yeah, I def- you got to get more pressure from the outside. But even then, it's like, you know, I saw some of the guys that said they met with the Bucks formally at the combine and like, you know, like Braden Fist was one of them, your guy from Florida State, oh, and we know how much him. of a game record he was. Love him. And I was like, man, it's not a big need necessarily because you already have Vita and Kalijah, but we know the right. Bucks rotate those guys. And I was like, just the idea of the Bucks rotating those three guys together in the yeah. middle, it just seems like a cool thing. Uh, yeah. Probably unlikely, though. And even the guy... Um, I love that kid. He's yeah. such an effort guy, and he he and he's got he's talented, man. Right. He's talented. And even, uh, even the kid Johnny Newton from Illinois, who's probably the first or best or second best defensive tackle in the class. Grew up in Clearwater, he said. Yeah, yeah. Buccaneer fan. He cited Warren Sapp as a guy he grew up loving and to watch and all that. I mean, sometimes I really don't care where the pressure comes from, but at the same time, I think we have to acknowledge that they just have to get a better, more bodies in that edge position. No question about it. Um, By the way, um, Baker Mayfield, I don't know if you've seen this over the last 48 hours. It seems every show that I watch national show is doing something on Baker Mayfield. Yep. Like uh, yesterday I was uh, watching um, speak, think of speak for yourselves with um, uh, Shady McCoy. Um, and, and they were talking about an Acho, I think is on that show as well. Joy Taylor. They were talking about like, what's the best fit for Baker Mayfield. And uh, you know, everybody's like, look, Tampa's a great fit for him. He's perfect. And, and although Shady, I think was more like, you know, he's just a dude. He's just a dude. I think, um, you know, Acho was saying, you got to go look at the film and really break down what Baker did this year with a team offensively, um, with a first-year play caller, you know, not the best interior offensive line, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the things that we've talked about all year long. And uh, and RG3 did a great breakdown this morning. Um, He said he went through the last uh, year and a half of tape, two years of tape on Baker, obviously this year being the most of it and came away just super impressed, like super impressed. Feels like he's got a huge upside. He's got a lot to, a lot to work with in Tampa really loves, um, you know, what he did this past year. Uh, in fact, he just, he just gave me a, a fist pound on my, uh, on my reaction to his breakdown. How about that? Thanks RG three. Appreciate that. Cause I, after in, in I tweeted this out and I go watch the breakdown because I think he's really spot on and he picked a couple of plays in the Packers game where, um, you know, bake just was just spot on with his reads, setting up defenders, making big throws. Um, especially that, that touchdown to Mike Evans. We talked, remember we talked about this, that little skinny post in that game against the Packers. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just my favorite throw of the year and he broke that down. And I told him, I said, great breakdown, RG3. That first touchdown throw to Evans was my favorite throw of the season. It's indefensible. 
The read and sell on the safety was perfect, but the high inside ball placement and velocity to a 6'5 wide receiver is just virtuoso. We love Baker. There's more in there with him. Um, and with continuity and coaching, who knows how good he can be. And he gave me the fist pound and said, exactly. Uh, and I, you know, I, I respect RG3 the way he he breaks down a lot of these tips because he gets into it. He really does and knows what he's talking about. And I think anybody, and I hear a lot of, you know, Colin Coward was talking crap about Baker yesterday about, you know, how he's, he's just, you know, he's not good late in games. He doesn't know, you know, he doesn't have the Patrick Mahomes gene. Like who freaking does, you know, <laughs> who does? I, 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 God, don't get me on a, don't get me on a tangent. I'll just, I'll just, I'm at the point in life now where if, if I, if I perceive the fact that you are not sitting down and grinding the tape and I'm not going to act like I sit here and watch ton of tape, I dabble. Okay. Cause admittedly like, you know, learning football is very difficult. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I know everything, but when I hear people like Colin Coward get up on national TV and, and give his takes on quarterbacks, it's so surface level. That's all it is. It's surface. He, level. he was making arguments two weeks ago of how Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy were the same exact player. Okay. Yeah. And I think that anybody with a brain could tell you that ain't the case or like, eyes. I mean, talk eyes. about difference in accuracy. I mean, seriously and anticipation. Right. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, it's not even close. It's not even close. Right. Yeah, and so, you know, Baker's getting a lot of love. Um, and is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I don't think it changes his perspective at all. He knows where he needs to be. He knows the the spot that he needs to be. I, I think, yeah, is he getting wooed by other places? I think he probably is. As, as you know, as teams, at first teams are going to go to the combine and like, oh, we're going to, you know, there's there's more than three quarterbacks in this draft. You know, there, there's, there's you know, the Bo Nix is going to be our guy. Or, you know, Michael Penix is going to be our guy. And they'll fall in love a little bit. And then as they start grinding or whatever, they, they'll fall out of love. And then they'll say, you know what? We may, he may not be there or we're not, may not, I'm not, he may not be the guy. Who's out there that we've got tape on in the NFL? Oh, there's Baker. Let's go after him. You know, I'm talking about teams like the Raiders, um, the Steelers. Uh, you know, I think that we've been talking about this for a while. It just Justin Fields is going to Atlanta. That really feels like that's happening. Everybody up there in Atlanta kind of feels like that's happening. That's where everything's moving in that direction. Uh, and I think it's, you know, I think he would be a great fit up there. Uh, that would be a super athletic, dangerous offense with Justin Fields at the helm um, and, and very formidable for the Bucks to defend. So I think that's happening. Um, I think it's great. You know, it's for them, it fits their, their franchise dynamic in Atlanta, uh, energizes the fan base. Bring in Baker, you know, I think it, there'd be a little bit of a backlash between, you know, the options of the two of them. So I, I don't think Baker's really a fit in, in, in Atlanta. So I, I think this is where this is headed. And if you're a Bucks fan, you know, go watch what RG3 is saying. Go watch what Dan Orlovsky is saying. Go watch what the guys that are really breaking down tape are saying about how Baker played last year. Because during the season, you'll get a slice of it. But they're looking at, you know, uh, 16 games a week, right? It doesn't now in the offseason, they can really go, all right, I'm going to break down Baker Mayfield today. Give me all his tape, you know, from right. the whole year. And they can really do a, a deep dive into him. And, and you're seeing some of this stuff come out. And I think you're going to see more of it uh, putting Baker in a really, really good light. Was he perfect this year? No. Yeah. He was it, beat it, up at times. And the thing is, it's like, what's the alternative? Exactly. What's the alternative? Like, I, I don't want to say the Bucks are almost like forced into keeping Baker Mayfield, but. In a way, they kind of are. It's the same way how yeah. like like quarterback discourse around the around the league gets really overblown. Like people talk a lot about, oh, the Cowboys need to move on from Dak Prescott, for example, or the Dolphins with Tua. It's like, listen, I don't know if those guys are ever going to get you to a Super Bowl, 
right? At least they're not going to carry you there. You're going to have to like really put a lot of things around them and they're going to have to do their part when it matters most. But their overall body of work is too good to just say, yeah, we're going to blow it up and we're going to go try to find somebody else who could be better when in all likelihood you're going to continue to try to keep finding that guy and you're going to be like, man, I guess we probably should have kept Dak or we probably should have kept Tua. It's the same way how I feel about Baker Mayfield and a lot of quarterbacks in this league. I don't know if Baker Mayfield is a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. Okay, my gut probably mm-hmm. tells me no, but those guys don't fall on trees. Exactly. They don't. Somebody's got to play the position. Right. No, you're 100% right. And if the Bucks had the second pick in the draft, you know, we'd be having this discussion. Do we want to keep Baker or do we want to, you know, invest in a young kid? And I'd tell you this, if that was the situation right now for the Buccaneers, I'd say, let's sell the pick. If, if you can give me three first round picks and I can keep Baker as my, uh, as my quarterback, I'm, I'm taking the three first round picks or the a two, two first rounders into two. And I can go get, you know, two edge rushers, go get an edge rusher, a center and another wide receiver. I mean, think of the things that you could get and keep Baker Mayfield. Now you're building one of the best rosters in the league. Right. Like if, the if shoe you're making on, the right pick, the shoe were on the other foot. And I know this is just totally like probably irrelevant, but if the shoe were on the other foot and let's say it wasn't Justin Fields in Chicago, mm-hmm. it was Baker Mayfield instead. And we're yeah. saying everything was identical of the season Baker had. I don't know if the bears are making that pick for a quarterback. Not with, not what you can get you know, a King's ransom for Caleb Williams. Who's completely unproven. I mean, yeah, yeah he looks good, but look how many, how many quarterbacks have we seen, you know, taking number one or in the top three that were can't miss guys. You know how many how many just how not. many number one overall picks at quarterback went on to justify the hype? I think only I think in the last twenty years, uh, number one over or twenty five years. I, I think I saw the list the other day. Number one uh, overall picks to win a Super Bowl. Peyton Manning was the only one. I, I'm trying to remember if that was because it yeah, was but shocking. Just, just the ones that like, went on wow. to have great success. I mean, Elway, yeah. Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, but he got it was short lived. Yeah, certainly Joe Burrow's on that trajectory, but yep. Listen, I mean, this franchise knows it best. How many number one picks have the Bucks picked at quarterback, and it's never worked out? Jameis yeah. Winston being one of them. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's more likely than not going to work out um, at that position. So if you can get, you know, three other quality players, and you've got a quarterback that did what Baker did last year, then I just you know, and he ha- has a track record in the league, and it's also the intangibles too, you know, how he fits with the team, how he. And even um, even Coward mentioned this yesterday, you know, in, in a snarky kind of way, I might add. Oh, He's like, Baker's a great fit in, in Tampa because, you know, things are loose down there. Oh, Ybor City, you know, Ybor City Ybor at night. City. It's loose. It's a loose franchise. Baker, you know, Baker's a perfect fit for that that franchise. So, yeah, they're good together. You know? Someone tell Colin that, like, <laughs> Ybor City. Nobody goes to Ybor City. He's, he's just, like, the dude stuck in 30 years ago and thinks he's, <laughs> he's got some updated version of Tampa. You know, Tampa Bay, I mean, just of the organization and the city. It's changed a little since you've been here, Colin. Just, you know, a little Loose. little update. It's been Loose. 25 years word. since you've been Loose. here, 30 years. Yeah. So, whatever. I just think it's interesting that, that he's getting a lot of play. All right, let's hit our first break. we got lots more Buck stuff coming your way uh, from the Combine. So, we're going to get to that. Uh, I want to get into the race. Um, they just had some breaking news. Josh Lowe out two weeks uh, with an injury of some type. Um, they say they expect him to be uh, left hip inflammation. So we'll dive into that. 
Uh, Ryan Pepio pitched yesterday, so we'll get into that. So uh, on and off the field, and some interesting things happening with the stadium as well. We'll talk about that. Lots more to get into. We're brought to you by the Jeeves Law Group in our first hour, J-E-E-V-E-S Law Group.com. Scott Jeeves, hell of a guy. Love him. Uh, comes on the show often. We'll have him on in a few weeks. Uh, he told us all about the FSU lawsuit, uh, predicted uh, correctly that that was going to be settled out of court, and they're on their way to getting that done. Uh, but if you have any issues at all, and, uh, if you've been involved in an accident, your car's been totaled, uh, you've had issues with insurance companies uh, with a claim, it's the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S Law Group. Uh, they are local, they are trusted, and they get results. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, J-E-E-V-E-S Law Group.com, and can contact them through the website. Tell them JP sent you. All right, back in three with much more here on the J.P. Peterson Show. JP here for my friends at your local Synovus Bank, and I do mean friends, and I do mean local. One of the local managers in Tampa is John Acosta, big fan of the show, and I've known him for over 40 years. He's been in local banking since 1983. You talk about developing relationships. You don't stick around for that long unless you're doing things the right way and have a great reputation, and that's the focus company-wide at Synovus. Big enough to handle any complex international transaction but small enough to answer the phone when you have an urgent question about your business or personal account. And for personal accounts, they have a very easy app that works great. You can do everything online. And for large or small businesses, you will get that personal touch and services to help build your business, taking your dreams and aspirations from the whiteboard to reality. We can make that happen. Let us show you how. For a get acquainted meeting to open a business or personal account, just call John or go to synovus.com to find out where your local branch is. All right, this is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just Get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. JP here for the Geddes Gordon Real Estate Group and our good friend Jane Geddes. Folks, simply put, there is nobody like Jane. Jane is a former LPGA two-time major championship winner. She was also vice president of talent relations at WWE. She also has a law degree from Stetson. So if Jane can drain a 10-footer to win the U.S. Open and stare down Hulk Hogan in the boardroom, you want Jane on your real estate team to not only negotiate the best deal, but find you the perfect home or investment property. And when you work with the Geddes Gordon Group, you become part of the real estate family and get concierge services that include expertly staging marketing and preparing your home for sale. Advice on golf properties. Hey, you might even get some golf tips. Many of their clients become friends long after the sale or purchase is completed. It's all part of the deal. So if you're looking for that perfect home or investment property or trying to get top dollar for your home, go with Jane Geddes and the Geddes Gordon Group because there's nobody like Jane. Call 813-485-6808. 
or go to geddesgordon.kw.com. That's G-E-D-D-E-S gordon.kw.com or call 813-485-6808. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show on FanStream Sports. Show brought to you by the great folks at Italiano Insurance, a best customer service in the land. Uh, give them a call at 813-877-7799. Um, obviously, they do great job with home insurance, auto insurance, but they also do business insurance. So if you started a side hustle or you've had the same business insurance for a long time and you've never shopped it around because the premiums can be really, really different. They, they really can. And if you've been with the same company for a while, they've probably been inching those premiums up each and every year and you just pay them. Well, shop it around. See what it, see what you can do. You might be able to save thousands. One guy saved $26,000 a year on his business insurance by shopping it with Italiano Insurance. Obviously a big business, but, you know, that's a lot of quiche, right? Uh, shop it around, 813-877-7799 and get that great customer service that they give you at Italiano Insurance. Um all right, uh, J.P. Peterson, along with Nick Gaddis here this morning as we're uh, heading through a Thursday here. Got lot, lots more to get to, but I want to stop and uh, do a little bit of comments from the commenters. We welcome you guys in each and every morning, so we really appreciate you jumping in. Um, TJC22, good to see you as well. Christopher Cole, good morning to you. Nathan, uh, Thomas, all of our people. Uh, this one has got to be talked about. Good morning, Nick, uh, can you do stats on Vassy and goals since JP moved to Orlando versus living in Tampa? Ha ha. Maybe the reason for the decline, win-loss record, lower save percentage. See you tonight. That's irresponsible, John Hill. It's not my fault, and I will be back in Tampa soon. It um, is your fault. I think yeah. it, I think if, if we point to one moment where the lightning steered off track, I think it's when you moved to Orlando. I don't, I don't think, I think that's, that's what happened. But I still you know, spend plenty of time. In Tampa Bay, still my work home. Um, I just have, you know, a beautiful home over here with, uh, with the it, lovely it, Ashley and yeah. the kids. Um, uh, Tom Casper said, Hugh Culverhouse used to have to pay us a pay soda machine and remove sweet and lows because they used to. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you players are complaining now. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I got news for you. Where Derek Brooks you, is probably looking at these. Yeah, where would you have been on this report card, man? My God, are you kidding me? Is there a rank below F? F minus? Um, it's funny because I was I was perusing Twitter, um, and um, it, it's it's like there's a lot of comments on the childcare thing, and it's it is kind of weird. It's like a billionaires can't afford childcare for their employees, you know, on a Sunday afternoon. It's I mean, you think about it. The the the, the Glazers just sold, you know, Man United. 25% of Man United for what, $1.5 billion? Right. But you know what's interesting, though? Because you know what? You wonder one of the big complaints about the Glazers is the facilities at Man United are yeah. well below par. Yeah. Like, they're talking about, like, tearing down Old Trafford and having to, yeah. like, build a new stadium and, like, the training grounds. Like, this is all stuff that Ronaldo, when he came back, like, basically said was all true. He came back and he was like, it's the same as it was 15 years ago. It's outdated. It stinks. And so it's it's kind of the same complaints for both of his fran of both of their franchises, and of course they have boatloads of money to spend on these things. I mean, it's not the hill that I'm going to die on, I guess, if I was a player. Right. And again, I'm not in their shoes. I'm looking at it from the outside. But it also you can make the argument, okay, you guys are all billionaires. You know, right. why can't you cover the cost for these simple things? I guess for the millionaires. Right. <laughs> it's like, what are we arguing over here? 
Yeah. You know, I don't, that's where I come at it is from this, you know, for, for most of us, for, for, you know, I, I, I'm a ham and egger as are you, Nick. Um, we, we, we're, I'm laughing at all. Oh, of you're, you. oh, you're a ham and egger, huh? Yeah, I am. Yes, absolutely. Me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I am definitely a ham and egger. Um, yeah, I, I used to make some decent money in this business. It's, it's a little bit harder these days. Um, but that's fine. I love what I do. No complaints. But, you know, this is th- this is what we're doing. Millionaires and billionaires are arguing over who's going to pay for the child care. Shut up, both of you. <laughs> How about that? How about that? I don't want to hear anything from either one of you. Just settle, settle it amongst your millionaire selves. All right. Uh, we'll figure it out. Um, Nathan Elliott says the Bucks do not micromanage individual player lockers. Gerald McCoy would use two lockers to store his stuff, and it always looked like a dirty hamper. Levante always has a neat locker. He's right. You know, some of these some of these guys that are complaining are slobs. You Didn't know, you used to so, tell me that Warren Sapp, when he used to do interviews in the locker room, he would just be spitting his tobacco juice like yeah. on the actual floor. Or did he put it? Did he have the no, courtesy no, to on put my a shoes? Down? Most or of on, the time. Your, on your shoes. There you uh, go. No, so yeah, he would put a white towel down in front of his locker, and have you know, and have a towel covering him, everything else out, um, and he would he would put a big dip in. And he would like we would sit back from the white towel, and he would spit into the towel while he was doing an interview. Spit at us. He didn't like the question he, on your shoe. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> I mean, at the time it was like, whatever, you know, I, it, I, I, it, that's what he wants to do and do it. It's not, I'm not going to take offense to it, but yeah, you know, you're going to, you're going to tell the, you're going to tell Warren Sapp, Hey Warren, can you stop spitting on me, please? <laughs> nobody else did that. You know, nobody else needed a dip right after the game. Maybe it was a, I actually, you know, maybe it was a brilliant way to get space. You know, because guys, you know, we you get in this closed locker room situation, you know, the media is all up on you. You got 25 cameras, you know, it can get a little, it can get a little, you know, dicey. Right. So create some space by doing that. Never, I never said Warren wasn't smart. He was, he could be very rude at times to a lot of people, but he, you know. Nobody crowded him. That's for sure. <laughs> That's for damn sure. Yeah, and I love how Nikita Kucherov deals with it too. By the way, in a completely different way. You crowd him, he's just going to give you a one-word answer until you go away. Right. That's how he gets out of that. Yeah, that's that's another way it works. All right. Uh, Nathan Elliott says if Devin White had played up to his potential, he would have chased the money elsewhere. He made it clear that Devin White did not want to be here. The money did not matter. It's true. It's one of the main reasons I didn't. I you know I I hated all of that that off season stupid passive aggressive instagram shenanigans it's like you know you got a problem with the organization call a press conference you know the one thing that bothers me about i guess today my generation of player is the whole social media thing i gotta go on social media to complain or i gotta scrub my like the whole justin fields thing where he was scrubbing his instagram and he unfollowed the bears and then he's like i don't know why you're understand why he's making a big deal out of it i just wanted not to see any football things and it's like i mean you really think people aren't going to make a big deal out about that, Justin? That you unfollowed your team? Yeah. On social media? Exactly. Whether exactly. it's a big deal or not, of course it's going to be a it's going to become a big thing. Of course it is. It's it's a it's passive. And then you go on the air and you go, "Oh no, man, I just wanted to, you know, I didn't want that on my timeline." What? I've never heard of that before. I I just like, wanted what? to separate myself from football. I didn't want it on my timeline. Don't I wanted look nothing at, from my team. Put your phone down. 
You know, so silly. Yeah, to, to not even you do something publicly, and then when you're asked about it, you don't even step up and say it. You know, how about you just say, you know what? Uh, um, they're acting like they don't want me, so you know why should I be loyal to them? They're talking about trading me. They don't want me around. Okay, fine, move me. What's wrong with saying that? Yeah, he basically said that after though. Right. So fine. So don't don't do the passive aggressive stuff. Just come out and say it like a man. I don't I don't I don't get it. You're gonna ruffle some feathers. So what? They're they're the ones who who've been you know, indifferent about you and may take Caleb Williams. Good. It's business. You know why does everybody why does everybody feel like oh don't don't hurt their feelings? Come on. Uh, here's a good friend, TJ Reeves steps up, said, remember we talked off air to Luke Easterling together last April, and he went directly to Trey Palmer as a sleeper wide receiver that the Buccaneers would likely go to late rounds. How'd that turn out? Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. I still, when they drafted him, I, and I started looking into him. I'm like, how the hell did this guy last till the sixth round? The fastest receiver in the draft. A lot of drops. Put up 1,300 yards. Yeah, Mike Evans had a lot of drops last yeah. year. But we did see, we did see Trey's <laughs> drops, though, a little bit last year. He's got to pick did. that up. We did. Um, still, sixth round. It was a steal. Yeah. Uh, uh, John Hill says Shaq leaves Pap Joins Board of Directors. What? Papa Jones. Papa Jones. Oh, Oprah leaves Weight Watchers Board as well. What's going on there? Well, well out of my, my pay grade here. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Uh, Colin Coward thinks he's the quarterback whisperer. He's the biggest joke on the planet. I would have to agree with that. I used to be a big fan, not so much anymore. Uh, Coward trashed Purdy daily. No matter what he did, Coward would trash him the same with Baker. Yeah, it's like the dude is just winning games and going to Super Bowls, and you're just you just cannot say I was wrong where Colin where Colin was wrong. Um, San Ato Gato, uh, new new in here. Good to see you. Bucks were two games away from the big show, so they were closer than most thought. Hell yeah, they were. Remember when uh, was it the beginning of the season when Madden, the Madden simulation pr- predicted they would go to the NFC championship game and everybody laughed. Yep. Right. Remember that? Yeah. And they and said, already- and they also said that Baker would throw for 4,000 yards and I think 38 touchdowns or 35 touchdowns. They were damn close. Yeah, they've already started though this year They're Everybody's already saying that if the, uh, if the, the Falcons get Justin Fields, they're the favorite to win the division. And I, <sighs> I just I don't see that yet. I just don't yeah. see that yet. Nathan says Colin Cowder was the first one that sharded all over the Bucks last year before the season began. His comments are only to get a reaction, good or bad. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's definitely something to that. But um, I just you know he he should be a little bit better. That's all. Where do where do you think Baker's contract ends up at JP? You know, I think it ends up at like. I've been waffling a little bit on this, but I think it's in the 30 to $35 million range annual. Um, I'm thinking a hundred and hundred guaranteed. Um, it's a little bit North of what Geno Smith's contract was. Uh, Cause it's interesting. It's like you, you, you dive in and you're like, wow, Baker had a great year, but do you really want to, are we committing, you know, you know, 40 million a year, like we did for Daniel Jones, which is just a stupid contract. I mean, you start comparing these contracts, but you can't, right? right? I mean, Daniel Jones, it's, it's teams are in different situations at different times and they make stupid moves just because Daniel Jones got 40 million. Doesn't mean that's the standard now. Right. And you know, is some, would somebody else offer him more? I, I don't think so. 
Well, but, I do like the, uh, I don't know if you saw this, the breakdown from Spot Track. They did a, a quarterback breakdown proje- or contract breakdown projection type of thing. And mm-hmm. they had it at four years, $120 million total. Uh, and then $53 million guaranteed at, sign- at signing. And they had it spread out, though, to where the cap hit for this year would be $6.25 million, And then it would jump to uh, eleven seven five in 2025. And then it would be backloaded, so forty-two million in twenty twenty-six, and then forty-five million in uh, twenty twenty-seven. Which so you know, if they got by then the cap's going to be three hundred million. By the way, correct. So yeah. if they were able, I, I think that knowing what the Bucks have in their front office and the way they do usually do structure things, this seems more likely. It's not going to be a straight up like four years, one hundred twenty million. We're paying you thirty million per. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, no, it, I'm just thinking about be, how what the what the annual payout looks like. I mean, cap hits a totally different deal on how they structure the contract. Correct. Um, I'm just talking about with real costs, like you know, you know, not kicking the can down the road, you know, really far. But I think in real costs, I think that's about where he goes. Yeah, they, they're the way, saying only 54 total guaranteed. If 53 million guaranteed at signing, and then it says 85 million practically guaranteed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, I think that's where it's about. It's it's about a hundred. I think it's more than that because because I don't know if Spot Track is um, factoring in the what is it twenty percent, fifteen percent increase in the cap. So just automatically everything. Well, the agents will tell you that pops up an extra fifteen percent. Yeah. Um, so I, I just think it's it's near. And by the way, so that it's not going to kill you. And especially in the salary cap early on, you, right. you, you know, four void, four voidable years at the back end with a lot of, you know, the, the bonus money up front, which he gets, he gets that $45 million check. So yeah, I think that's the way it works. And, and Baker is doing backflips. I mean, Baker Mayfield, people cannot forget this. You know, he was cut by the Panthers and I, I still heard that narrative yesterday from from shady mccoy what's what's he on his four team in four years i mean how good it's like you got to put that in context man one you're kicked out by a horrible team in cleveland and number two you're kicked out by a horrible team in carolina with a disaster of a mess so it's not like you know oh you know it's not like the rams kicked you out the door you left for a better opportunity you know the rams i think would have loved to keep you if they had cap room as a backup quarterback to Matthew Stafford, but you weren't going to be a backup quarterback. And you know, they, that just was, it's no, it's not like the Rams cut you and didn't like what you did for him. I think they would love to have you back if they didn't have a starting quarterback already in place. Right. So keep it in context. It's such a lazy take shady McCoy. And, you know, and when given an opportunity in a somewhat stable franchise, the guy balled out simple as that. I, I just, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and, and by the way, if a contract was something like that, four years, $120 million, that that is still relatively a bargain for yeah. a starting quarterback in this league. Like, I mean, we got quarterbacks that are making $60 million now, and he'd be making half that. Like, there's not too many quarterbacks, realistically, that you're going to get as a starter for a long-term period of time as this would be, and you would keep it to $30 million. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, let's uh, take a break. When we come back, Dan Lucas is going to join us. He's been in that shower before at One Buck Place. I'm going to ask him if he saw the bugs there. I don't know if he's been in the sauna. I did I did a, I did a promo once there in the Whirlpool with Cadillac Williams, but I did have a bathing suit on. So um, we'll, 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 we'll see how far uh, into the uh, facility Lucas has gotten. Uh, quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll uh, 
We'll chat about that and much more with Dan. We'll get into the Rays as well. We're brought to you by the Gold and Diamond Source. They're having their 40th anniversary sale, up to 40% off many of the great uh, low-priced items they already have. It's a fantastic sale as they celebrate Julie and Steve Weintraub uh, owning this business for over 40 years. Uh, it's the Gold and Diamond Source, always the best place to shop for that engagement ring, as Nick and I both know. 3800 Omerton Road, always online at thegoldandiamondsource.com. Back in three with Dan Lucas. Stay with us. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S. Call for a free case evaluation, 888-9-JEEVES. That's 888-9-J-E-E-V-E-S. We're local, we're trusted. The law firm brings over 80 years of combined legal experience focusing on clients in Tampa Bay, the state of Florida, and national class action cases. If you're injured, get that free case evaluation, no cost to you. The Jeeves Law Group's focus is on auto, truck, and motorcycle accidents, as well as class action and consumer protection law. Scott Jeeves is a board-certified civil trial lawyer and a certified circuit court mediator practicing in the Tampa Bay area for over 30 years. You hear him on the show all the time. Great guy, big Gator fan, and great for the community. The Jeeves Law Group is a highly skilled team with years of experience that will apply their skills, expertise, and knowledge to assist individuals who have been in an accident with compensation for damages, lost wages, medical expenses, pain and suffering, and property damage. Get that free case evaluation, 888-9-JEEVES. That's 888-9-J-E-E-V-E-S. JP here for the Geddes Gordon Real Estate Group and our good friend Jane Geddes. Folks, simply put, there is nobody like Jane. Jane is a former LPGA two-time major championship winner. She was also vice president of talent relations at WWE. She also has a law degree from Stetson. So if Jane can drain a 10-footer to win the U.S. Open and stare down Hulk Hogan in the boardroom, you want Jane on your real estate team to not only negotiate the best deal, but find you the perfect home or investment property. And when you work with the Geddes Gordon Group, you become part of the real estate family and get concierge services that include expertly staging marketing and preparing your home for sale. Advice on golf properties. Hey, you might even get some golf tips. Many of their clients become friends long after the sale or purchase is completed. It's all part of the deal. So if you're looking for that perfect home or investment property or trying to get top dollar for your home, go with Jane Geddes and the Geddes Gordon Group because there's nobody like Jane. Call 813-485-6808 or go to geddesgordon.kw.com. That's G-E-D-D-E-S gordon.kw.com or call 813-485-6808. JP here for my good friends at Italiano Insurance, and they did it again. Once again, Italiano Insurance stepping up with the best customer service. I was in a bind. My old insurance company, my auto insurance, jacked up my rates, so I called Charity at Italiano Insurance, and she stayed till 9.30 at night until she got my insurance done. And guess what? She searched all these companies for me. I didn't do the work she did. Saved me $1,000 on my annual premium. $1,000, folks. That's real, real money. And that's what you get at Italiano Insurance. Great customer service. And here's another note for you, by the way, with hurricane season up. 40% of people in Florida are underinsured. That means if you have something happen during a hurricane and you need replacement costs, you're going to get 40% less than you deserve. Can't let that happen. Call the folks at Italiano Insurance and get them 
uh, to help you out in both those regards. It will save you money and keep you insured properly. That's 813-877-7799. Great folks in the community been doing it for over 60 years. Italiano Insurance, 813-877-7799. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show on Fan Stream Sports. This is The Strike. 1025 WHPT, HD2, Sarasota, Tampa, St. Pete. Welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show, and thanks to all you listening over the beautiful station that is 102.5 The Strike, the Lightning's new station right there. It's the HD station of the bone, 102.5, so lock that in. You can hear from Newport Ritchie to Sarasota to Orlando. Trust me on that. It's a beautiful station. You can listen to us live each and every day on the terrestrial radio as well as all these other places. Uh, Let's welcome in our good friend Dan Lucas from News Channel 8. Uh, to chat with us about uh, all things Buccaneers. Now, Dano, I know during you know the promos that you cut with the Buccaneers, that oftentimes you get access to parts of the uh, of the facility that some of us don't, because I you know <laughs> I've been there. I, I did I did a promo with Cadillac Williams in the, in that cold tub. I should have got paid yeah. extra hazard dude. So so have you been in the showers? Uh, of of uh, one place, have you seen the bugs? Is it smelly? What's it like? I uh, I, I don't frequent the showers uh, at the at the Bucks facility, but uh, <laughs> I you know I've never been in the showers there. But it's funny, I do remember you doing the cold tub uh, I do. piece, and I'm thinking, you know, years later, you could be one of those dudes with MRSA class action. Yeah, exactly. You're like, you know, have you have you noticed something wrong with you? Were no, you that it just has not gone away. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. The sword never healed either. I don't know what the hell. Man, going I'll on. tell yeah. you that I, you know, the MRSA thing I had forgotten about. That, that yeah. was, you know, obviously a separate issue from this uh, player voting thing. But uh, man, what a, a wild time that was! And and uh, with the kicker, he lost part of his foot. Yeah. Uh, because who was the big uh, offensive guard too that we got that paid all he that money? The, from the uh, Saints. Yeah, he had the my his name is escaping me, but I know yeah. his locker was the first one next to the showers. Yeah, yeah so there you go. It was one of well, the let, uh, first two lockers by the little doorway to the shower. So I mean, again, you've been in that facility a gazillion times, as have I. I mean, I it seems nice to me. Seems like you know that that looks like a nice work environment <laughs> for me. I I wouldn't be bitching yeah. and moaning about it. I'll tell you, we've been in the locker room before. I, I personally, I think the locker room's immaculate. Yeah. Um, I think it. I I think it's already undersized. Yeah. Um, especially during camp, they've got they have to set up temporary lockers yeah. within the locker room, but uh, they've tried to give it kind of a a loungy feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got sofas in there. Guys are doing whatever. Sometimes they, you know, they're they're shooting hoops in the hair. Yeah. Um, I think that they probably need a different player lounge area that's that's completely separate that the media doesn't see. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, as far as the locker room itself, um, it, it, the people that take care of that place, uh, they're the ultimate professionals. That's what yeah. is baffling to me. The yeah. building has aged, like any building for sure. You got to keep up with that. That's on it's the less Blazers. than twenty years old. I that, mean, how long are building? Are we supposed to get a new facility every ten years now? <laughs> Well, I think you just need. I think you need to, you know, anytime there's an office place, an office workspace in any industry, uh, it, it just needs a, a good cleaning. It's at some point here. We're talking deep cleaning, and I don't know if that's been done, but but uh, I know the people 
that work for the Bucks, who are all in the different categories of this uh, NFLPA voting, uh, mm-hmm. these people care about their jobs and they care about the, no. the, the players, which ultimately the entire organization is, is there to make sure that the players can win football games and that the organization, uh, you know, achieves its maximum potential. I think it all comes back to uh, what are you willing to spend uh, on your facilities and also your the care for your employees, for lack of a better uh, yeah. term, because that's what they are in this instance. And I think that there were some areas where the Bucks fell short. I think it's – and it's not just the Bucks, and the Bucks weren't even the worst. Right. Um, it's definitely – I, I saw the results and I thought this was a little bit of airing the dirty laundry that I don't, I'm not usually yeah. in favor of that, but the spirit of this vote is to uh, let free agents know what, what they're getting into as far yeah. as uh, you know, if you go to this team, I, obviously when you go into free agency, uh, what can you make money wise? What is the team competitive? Do I have a chance to win a championship? And then what's it like in the workplace? What's, you know, can I, you know, my wife and kids are part of this too. Yeah. Um, what's in it for me? That's what this survey uh, was supposed to tackle. But they make the results public, and I think it's the NFLPA's way of shaming yes, the organizations to yes. try and do something yes. about. It. Even the Bucks put out a statement saying <laughs> they take pride in a, in a great workplace. And I can tell you from my own experience, uh, we've done stories with the chefs. Yeah. Uh, the, you know the people in the staff. The the you know the food got what a C or C minus the cafeteria. Yeah. Uh, these guys, there is unbelievable care uh, put into the uh, meals yeah. all day with total sports nutrition in mind, options. I remember one, one guy years ago, he said, uh, you know, we put kale out here as a vegetable. Nobody ate it. They all had it. So, yeah, so he, so he ground it up. They grind, they grind it, whatever the word is. They, they chopped yeah. it up and put it into a potato soup, served it the next day, and, and it went. It, it yeah. was gone, gone within minutes. Hey, that's an old that's an old restaurant secret, baby. If you can't sell it, yeah. chop it up and throw it in the soup, and they'll, they'll right. eat that stuff. Exactly. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, but yeah, I'll say this: the the, the 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 if the showers are that bad, then. If you're the Glazers looking at this today, I'm walking through the showers with somebody with a notepad and I'm going, what's going on here? Is this a plumbing issue? Is this a ventilation yeah. issue? Yeah. And I'm working on it. But the problem is that the, the Glazer reputation for putting money into to its, yes. its uh, ventures is not uh, well thought of. And the best example is overseas in Manchester where they're uh, being ripped. Uh, you, you think if, if, if one buck is is uh, falling short of standards. Their their yeah. Carrington uh, training facility for Manchester United is is should be torn down. Yes, uh, and rebuilt. And the stadium, Old Trafford. What's well, a thousand should years old? Be torn down. Yeah, should probably be torn down as well, yeah. and, and uh, built yeah. a new stadium there. There's just a lot of money and resources that go into this, uh, and I think that if you want to show care for your people. That's the best way to do it. So I was interested in those, in those scores. They're a lot lower yeah. than I thought they were going to be. It was funny, too. You mentioned the thing about these are meant to, like, steer free agents and to make the best decisions. And I'm thinking, you know, for a team that graded out so poorly, they didn't really have a problem landing the, the biggest and right. best free agent that there's ever been. Yeah. So I don't know how big of a problem this would be. And I told I'm JP this. didn't and, seem to have a problem with it. Exactly. Yeah. And I told JP this. I'm sure you saw it, you know. 
what correlation is there to winning? Because the Chiefs graded out horribly. Fact, their ownership got an F minus. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, I think that uh, anytime you put a survey essentially out for opinions, and you've got so many different people with anonymously, ideas, by the way. Yeah. So. It's, so well, I mean, people like uh, families were voting on on the way families are treated, um, you know, on game days for childcare and that type of thing. But when you open things up for opinions, opinions are going to be all over the place, and so you try your best to get a consensus. But if you know, if if, if twenty five guys think the facility is an A plus, and twenty five guys think the facility is an F, then, then you're right. a C. Exactly. That's just, exactly. that's what it is. So uh, even uh, I believe Shaq's uh, wife chimed in yesterday on the uh, treatment yeah. of the, the families and said, I'm not really sure what's going on. I, I see it. I saw it. And I didn't have a problem with it. Of course. So hey, her dad, her honey just got money. cut and she's like, yeah. this is the greatest organization in the world. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, so, come yeah. on. I'm never no. going to say to a guy that, okay, if you, if you had a miserable experience here for one reason or another, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say you don't know what you're talking about because I'm not in there every day like that. I go into my building every day, and uh, I have my pluses and minuses. But yeah, um, these guys have educated opinions on it, and they talk. They're friends with everyone in the league, and everybody in the league knows who's legit and who's crap. Right. Uh, and I think that this survey or votes or, or whatever grades uh, is a way of exposing the crap if you will. Well, and so get you know, your act together. I think I'm coming down on it this way. This is millionaires bitching to billionaires about getting free childcare <laughs> right. yeah. and their, and their, and their personal chef is not up the standard, you know, and right. my, am I, am, I mean, shut up all of you shut up. I mean, like, I don't even want to, I don't even want to hear any of this right. stuff. You guys are, you're bitching about the cafeteria where the dude makes you wherever you want every single day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner ain't good enough really and you need you know four hours of child care on sunday they won't pay for it so you're gonna bitch about it and you're making five million dollars a year shut up all of you shut up like keep <laughs> exactly. like i don't even want to i don't want to hear any i think it's like a way for the nflpa to like you say embarrass them into making changes and and the funny thing about it dan is these kids are coming from alabama and clemson and georgia where the facilities are nicer because they don't have to pay the players they spend, I mean, yeah, they, yeah. exactly. So, whatever. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I would, the thing that caught, that caught my eye was that Todd Bowles got a B minus. And uh, yeah. that's, that's the only <laughs> thing that mattered. The rest of it, y'all can fight over you millionaires and billionaires fight over your personal chefs. That's fine. Um, but the, that, that, that caught my eye. Why, you know, and he, they think that's 26th. And there was a, who were the guys that were lower Nick? Uh, Ron Rivera, Josh, Josh, Josh Daniels, uh, Ron Rivera, and uh, yeah. the, I can't even think of the other guy, but not good. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? That's it. It's odd. I, I thought that stood out to me as well. And I don't know if that's just a, a, a collection of the averages. Um, maybe there were a bunch of A's. Maybe there were a bunch of C's to get that B average. I'm yeah. going back to my school days. How yeah. do I get yeah. my, my GPA? But, uh, <laughs> That's still it a good GPA, B minus, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll <laughs> take a B minus. Give me a bright scholars. Todd Bowles should give me getting a bright scholars a scholarship. But, uh, the um, it seems to me that coaching is pass fail. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think yeah. there's such a thing as a B. It's an A or it's an F. Yeah, uh, depending on what you think. But uh, I don't know. How do you grade your head coach? I mean, you don't have a relationship with him. I mean, if you're I know we all know Todd Bowles, you know, he's a defensive coach, so he probably has 
better relationships with the defensive guys. Uh, but if I'm an offensive lineman, uh, why do I need to hang out with Todd Bowles? Um, you know, I got my, my O-line coach and my coordinator. Those are the relationships uh, in the building. The head coach steers the, uh, the entire vibe and the entire attitude. I and mean, if you feel he's falling short yeah. in that or not motivating the team or not giving fancy halftime speeches, uh, then maybe you give him a lower grade. But yeah. um, I think that, uh, you know, the, let's give Todd Bull some credit for navigating this team through a minefield uh, when it got to a point last year when it was it, had, it was going to go one way or the other. Yeah. And uh, he, he helped steer it in the correct version. The correct direction i mean yeah and uh yeah so i mean that's higher than a b minus i would say but uh i don't know again opinions yes everybody's exactly. got them and, and they're anonymous them, so. so it's interesting i, I think that right. how he handled Devin white probably rubbed a lot of the guys the wrong way Could have. Uh, but that's Could have for sure thankfully that's that's done and gone and 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 we're moving forward um, hey, wanted to get your your take on. Uh, we'll we'll start with the Rays. Spring training is on. Uh, Josh Lowe uh, has a hip injury; he's out for two weeks. They say, but they expect him back at the beginning of the year. I hate. It. I, is it just me, or every time the Rays say somebody's out for two weeks, they're out for the year? Yeah, um, six months. Yeah, um, it's kind yeah, of it's a little bit. It, and it was weird yesterday. You know, at the the game at Dunedin, this Ahmed Rosario is playing right field so they could get him into the lineup. And uh, he's supposed to be one of the guys in line to when they're trying to figure out this shortstop yeah. uh, situation. So uh, I thought that was a little interesting to, to see him playing out there. I guess he can play any position. But, uh, yeah, I, it, that's the last thing that, that this team needs. They're solidified in so many spots uh, that they don't need injuries cropping up or creeping up in the outfield uh, to, to a – to a mainstay guy that they're expecting to have contribute last year. It was the pitching. It was one after the next and they never even got to the starting line. It was baffling. And, and, and right. uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know how these things come into play, how these guys, they're all coming into camp fit. Uh, they're all, they all pass physicals. They're all doing the, you know, the, the same drills and the exercises and lifting. And I just don't know how it happens, but um, it doesn't, it, yeah, you're right. You at this point you would err on the side of caution and completely rest the guy, right? Um, not try to rush him at all. I mean, if he's going to miss a month of the season to be completely healthy, I'm okay with that. You know, if this happens in July, now you got a problem. Mm-hmm. So maybe they have time on their hands. But I'm still watching the pitching. I just based on last year's, everybody we all have PTSD from last year and the pitching uh, injuries that cropped up came in, came into play. Really, first week of the season, two weeks into the season, I was unbelievable. So that's what I'm watching. Um, I didn't get to. Did, did you go to Dunedin yesterday? I didn't get to see how Pepio pitched, but I, he was supposed to start I, yesterday. I did not. I did see a couple of at bats on video. He gave up three hits, uh, no runs, but uh, looked pretty solid. And I think, based on what was said about him last year uh, in Dodgers camp. He's right about where he was last year. And he was on the verge of making the rotation. He had an oblique issue uh, before opening day, and that cost him. Uh, it really impacted his entire year. So I think that his focus is to get where he was last year, and I think he should be fine. But that was his first uh, go. And, and then uh, Zach Littell, the day before, he looked really good. 
Uh, and Tyler Alexander pitched two days ago, the guy they got from the Tigers, uh, super guy. He's another guy. I don't know where he's going to fit in, probably the bulk guy. Mm-hmm. But so far, of the, of the main arms uh, that we're looking at, it's so far so good through, through yeah. one timeout for most of these guys. Hey, I'm just saying, I'm going to put this up here real quick on the stage. There was this, the Rays put this up here yesterday of Ryan Pepio. And I'm just saying, if you squint a little bit. It's like Tyler Glasnow. It looks like Tyler Glasnow. Tell me that doesn't look like Tyler Glasnow. He's got some salad to him. Now, he's not going to be pumping, you know, 99 by any means. But yeah, it's good looking. He kind of reminded me of him a little bit. He did did pitch pretty pretty well yesterday in that little outing. Yeah. I think so. And he's adjusting to um the trade i also had a chance at the fan fest to talk to uh johnny deluca outfielder who was also yeah. part of the glasnow trade mm-hmm. uh both of them were blindsided and so they've both had to get through that as you do as a pro athlete when you get traded and embrace you know coming across the country to a new club new everything and, and uh, so i think it's gone well i think pepio has settled in and uh, DeLuca as well. DeLuca had a hit the other day. So yeah. maybe he could play any of the positions in the outfield. And I think he's a, I think he's a major league ready. I think he's uh, a chance to contribute. That's why maybe the low injury uh, is not as critical unless, you know, unless of course DeLuca's yeah. can't hit much, but um, as far as playing the outfield, he's going to be a pretty good one. Oh, yeah, I mean, Rosario, just, Rosario can bounce into the outfield too. I think he played right yesterday. Yeah. yeah. yeah played right really. yesterday. That guy, you know something, I, I, the more I read about him, I love him. And the fact that they got him for 1.5. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. He, now his numbers dipped off a little bit in Cleveland. When he was with the Mets, he was rising and rising. So yeah. maybe the Rays can, uh, you know, sprinkle the magic yeah. dust on him and get that, get that contribution from him and uh, puts him in a role you can, you, you know, you can pretty much platoon him, like you're saying. Nick. He crushes lefties, so if he can, yeah, get, get him, him in the, the out, lineup. Getting short, just get him in the lineup um, to to just spank lefties. That'll help him out tremendously. Yeah, you mentioned Pepio and and DeLuca were blindsided. You know, they're they're playing at the Dodgers organization, playing at Chavez yeah. Ravine, right? They're yeah. sitting at Ocean Prime, getting ready to <laughs> dig into a fillet and lobster. The next thing I know, they're sitting at McDonald's. Oh, staring Mr. a double cheeseburger in the Mr. face. Hammond, Mr. I mean, come on. We're going where? This we're man going, described what? himself no less than 30 minutes ago as a ham and egger. Yeah, and now he's spouting off about somebody I'm, having to adjust from Ocean Prime to eating those I'm ham and saying, eggs. I mean, I don't, I don't eat there, but those guys do. And then the, imagine, hey. yeah, they're like Tampa Bay. What? Where do they That's even like, play? Uh, Imagine, imagine you're at Ocean Prime and you and you've ordered the. You know, what? I I will have the cream spinach. I I will have. You know what? I will have the mushrooms on that. Yeah. And then they just take it away from you when they set it down. Sure, you've been traded to Tampa Bay. Um, but we do I'm have this ham and egg sandwich for you. <laughs> you know, I'm just yeah, thinking. I'm just thinking too. You went to Ocean Prime two weeks ago. I did. I did. <laughs> I, I, nice, I, I will. A nice gift card. Said, That's why I went. I think I will. Me? I think I will have the cream spinach. Yes, yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wasn't it? Was you know what though? It's overrated. So yeah, listen, <laughs> those guys. Card, uh, I'm not going there. Are you kidding me? Yeah. The one thing about coming to the Rays organization is they are you're going to get a fair chance to yeah. make it. And this yeah. is not a team that has uh, bought uh, its major league roster. So. 
Yeah. Um, you know, the Dodgers from top to bottom, you look at it, it's just embarrassing. And you're like, if they don't win the World Series, it's a failure. Complete. Uh, whereas the Rays have put together a good little team uh, that performed very well last year under adversity. And so if these guys can supplement that, maybe that gets them gets them over a little bit. But the, I would think that Johnny DeLuca would get way more chances here. Hell yeah. Yeah, and Pepe Way more too. chances. You know, Pepe yeah, too. Absolutely. I don't. I mean, he may have made their rotation. I don't know. I mean, and plus, if you're Ryan Pepe, you're like, look at his offense. I'm going to have to pitch in front of. I mean, you know, with the Dodgers, I mean, you hold them to four runs, you got probably going to get the dub, easy. Right. You know. I mean, exactly. I think the Dodgers are over under in Vegas is like 103 wins, which is like the it's, highest in, in baseball history. So since like the '99 Yankees, and I'm yeah. like, wow, that's low. I think you're going to win 120. I, think be, I would say you're going to be way over that. Yeah, I would think. I mean, I know their their division has gotten better. The Diamondbacks stunned them last true. year in the postseason. Yeah, but true. Uh, still, over the over the hall of 162, it's not like you're playing Arizona, who got red hot at the right time in a in a best of seven series or best of five, whatever that series was. Um, this is over the hall. The Dodgers are clearly. Uh, the team that should be winning the most games in baseball. It's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Yeah, if I'm DeLuca and Pepeo, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to take my chances over here, yeah. get on the field. That's what it's about. That's true, for the, especially for their point of their careers. Um, exactly. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but um, there was a uh, an anal- a deep dive analysis done on the new Rays uh, plan, financial plan um, by a couple of guys from Raymond James that know how these these things work and dug into the real cost to taxpayers, and they came up with a number of two point four billion dollars is the real cost to taxpayers in Pinellas and St. Pete. Um, and it's just the way they laid it out. And I, I retweeted it. You guys want to go read it? It's it's on there, and it's it really dives into the numbers of what the Rays are getting. They're getting you know a market value for the property seven hundred million. They're getting it for one hundred and fifty five million. The Rays are not paying any property tax whatsoever under this deal on the 22 acres, which is going to cost the city another $411 million over the life of the deal. You go on and on and on. All these things, it's it's opportunity cost and what they're going to have to shell out. I mean, $2.4 billion uh, of public money that is at stake here. You cannot make an argument that you're getting that much benefit from the Rays staying in St. Petersburg, especially at a failed location with, with the, with these numbers coming out in this kind of analysis, I don't see how anybody on either one of the, either the Pinellas board or the St. Pete city council can vote for this deal. It's such a horrible <clears throat> deal. And it's why the Rays, you know, who never wanted to be in St. Pete suddenly went, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you're going to give us this. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. We'll stay in St. Pete and cash in. Um, I just, I, again, it's not my money. But I, the point being is, I you know, this stadium deal that everybody thinks is done is far from being done. Right. And, um, you know, we talked to Ken Hagen the other day, and I asked him, I said, is Tampa still in the ball game? And he said, the deal is still on the table. And it's, a, you know, it's a 30-year deal where they'll make more money over time, but we're not bending over like, you know, this is not his words, but my words. We're not bending over like St. Pete is. You know, it's going to be a public-private partnership that benefits everyone over the long term, not right. this money grab that St. Pete has given the race. So, I mean, I still don't think it's done. What are, what are your thoughts on this? Well, you've heard me say many times on this show <clears throat> that uh, I'll believe it when the shovels are in the ground. Right. So the optimism is, is fine. Uh, I don't want to 
squelch people's optimism, but uh, you, you cannot uh, you cannot say it's done until it's done, until you see a bulldozer moving dirt. Um, and I still, like you're saying, to your thought, I think everything's in place still. I thought, you know, the spirit of that exercise those guys did was tremendous. I'm not sure if they went into it trying to nitpick and find. I think when, you, when you're when you crunching numbers, yeah. and I would have to imagine at some point they got into it a little bit and went, wait a minute, this is this is not adding up, which no. then went to the next level, like you're saying, you know, further down the road. I don't know how much revenue uh, comes into play here to balance that out or what they're none. planning to do with revenue. I would have to say the, the race keep all the revenue. Okay. They keep all the yeah. revenue in this deal. Like the city yeah. makes the city makes nothing. There's there's a one million. I think it's a one million dollar fee per year that the city right. makes off this deal in terms of raise revenue. That's it. They get no naming rights, no TV rights, no, right. no parking rights, no consent, nothing. They get nothing. <laughs> the Rays get everything. And then they get to buy the property at, at like a 25% of market value, which is, I mean, that's crazy. That's insane. Like this deal. And this is the reason why Rick Kreisman and Baker and all these prior mayors could not work with Stu Sternberg because this is what he wanted. And not until mayor Welch came along and said, sure, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, you want that? Sure. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. Just please stay. Please stay. Please stay. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, it's a crazy it, deal. They can't afford it. I don't, I don't think so. It doesn't look good based on those numbers. Now I haven't seen reaction uh, from St. Pete at all. And I have to imagine uh, when, it, when this comes up in a city council situation that they will ask some questions for sure. But yeah, um, there's nobody seems like there's nobody in the in the uh, official levels that are that's pissed off enough to kind of really lead a crusade here. I think they're all just kind of trying to line up and, and say go team. And, I think and this, some of the council men, I think that. some of the councilmen and and, and, and county uh, uh, folks have uh, you know they haven't seen the final deal, so they can't really. And but what they have seen, they have said eh, this doesn't look right. This really. Right. Like we got a lot of questions about this, and so yeah. yeah, so I think they have said that, and you know the the raise plan, and I guess the mayor's plan is to get the final deal to them in April, and then to have a quick vote in May, and you know, and Brian Ald's already putting the pressure on him, like if you delay this vote, the whole deal goes bad. So it's just it's got so many red flags, it's just ridiculous. My my thing my thing for that land is, and this is ballpark aside, is it is a gem of a piece of land. Yeah, in that uh, location, obviously, and a blank canvas to do what you want. They've built up to it, you know. The condos from the north and, and east. Um, I know you're, you're you're trying to blend areas. You're trying to assimilate. You know, you cross over those different cultures and that over there on that side yeah. of St. Pete, uh, and you're trying to to blend it and, and make it you know positive for everybody. And hopefully, the effect of that it will spread out a little bit. Uh, in the surrounding areas, I know when you get into the downtown St. Pete area, that is, it just becomes top of the top. Yeah. Uh, you go the other direction. They're trying to really uh, kind of re refurbish and get the, get the area going here again. I think it, that's the positive impact from St. Pete's perspective, I think would yeah. be the goal rather than seeing a ballpark uh, yeah. put in there. But the ballpark uh, is strictly there to keep the club there. Um, yeah. I don't think it's there to uh, make the area better.
No, and it, it, that analysis even shows that it makes it worse um, in a lot of different ways. So we'll we'll see where that goes. Uh, any thoughts on the Lightning? Um, that third period at Philadelphia last week, and Bassey, you know, has had a little bit of a swoon. I don't think it's time to hit the panic button because he had a really no. nice stretch there. But I keep thoughts. looking at the uh, I keep looking at the standings, and they're kind of in no man's land right now. Yeah, you know, they're 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 five points behind a safe spot in the Atlantic. They're four or five point. I didn't check the games from last night, but they're four or five ahead of the, the best teams chasing them uh, for the wild card spot. And Lightning and Red Wings, they've kind of been flip-flopping in those two wild card spots. Here's the, the scary thing for me. The Lightning have played the most games of all those teams. Yeah. By th- two, three, in some cases, maybe even four games more than, than teams around them. So they're got, at some point are going to have to sit there and watch these teams with games in hand rack up two points, four points, six points. And that's why the Lightning know they need to reel off wins. They're, they're, they're leaning towards being in the postseason for sure. But uh, if they let too many two-game uh, slumps happen, yep. uh, they will get caught by these other teams with games in hand. Either New Jersey, uh, Philadelphia, Detroit could even pull away from them Yeah, uh, in that sense. So you're, you're looking at – at a first round series right now against Boston, you know, got to beat them four times in a week. You never know. Yeah. But, uh, that, that, and the, the disturbing thing is just, they just, when you just, when you think that they've put it together and they're going to get on a roll, it doesn't happen. Right. And I think we've gotten so spoiled here that uh, once we've seen the lightning struggle, we've seen them get out of the gate slow. Uh, we've seen them come back from the all-star break slow. We've seen it many times and we've always seen them just get it together. Flip the switch. Uh, yeah. And it's just something that's keeping it from flipping the switch. And I'm yeah. curious to see what moves, if any, whether they have till next Friday, right, to, to figure I, it I, out. I think something uh, big's coming. I feel like something big's coming. Yeah. But, but over the years, they've made very good uh, deadline moves yeah. to, to get them in a position to go for the cup. I just don't know what's left of value in the cupboard, to, bring yeah. in a, to bring in something – I don't know, on a rental. I, 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 they have kind of pecked away at their organization a little bit. And when I see guys mm-hmm. like Matthew Joseph scoring on them and Ross yeah. Colton, uh, these guys and Carter Verhagen had to get rid of over the years, yeah. that chips away and chips away. And, and uh, that's why I, I am happy that the Catanner Janot is, is, is kind of locked in a little bit. To me, it makes that trade worthwhile they're not it's not just a blake coleman come on in win the cup and off you go yeah, they got to get him uh, back so, yeah so they got to get him back on the ice he's a different presence altogether um but yeah i'm not panicking, but i'm a little concerned about the the lightning right now that it's going to come down to the last week five, four or five games of re- oh, maybe yeah. having to reel off all wins and th- and i think their schedule is pretty difficult to finish up they play toronto at the end i know that might be a pretty meaningful game for them yeah. Um, so it's it's uh, definitely uh, something to think about. Toronto was in trouble, by the way, until the Lightning went into the crapper there for a little while. Yeah, they were. The, yeah. the Maple Leafs were doomed, and now they're comfortably in third. Yeah. So it's uh, that's how the season goes, man. We'll see what happens tonight, though. They've got to bounce back from that yeah. third period. Yikes! That was terrible. Yeah, Buffalo tonight. Um, you know, it's you got to get these two at home after having you know those two bad losses at home. To, to end yeah. the last homestand. All right, Dano, uh, what what do we got coming up on News Channel 8 this weekend? 
Well, we're all over the place uh, this week, um, getting ready for the IndyCar series next week. Oh, that's Can't right. Yeah. That. One of my favorite uh, times of the year coming up. That's all next week. And next Saturday, not this Saturday, next Saturday the 9th is the Tampa Bay Derby. A uh, little nod to our buddy Chris Thomas. Yes. I will take a special interest this year. It's a point. It's, it's the biggest points race uh, here at Tampa Bay Downs for the Kentucky Derby. And if you've never been to Festival Day, it's look fun. it up. Go out there. If, if you like to get up and go booze it all day and, and uh, just have <laughs> and, a blast, that's your day. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's your day. Look it up. But there is a, a horse nominated. I don't know if it's officially in the field yet called Bookham Dano. Oh, uh, yeah. Just finished second in the Saudi Derby uh, in a photo finish. I'm telling you, Dan says it's a lock. Book them Dano in the Tampa Bay Derby, if that happens. I'm writing that down. Book them Dano. Yes. All right. Exactly. Exactly. There's, All right. Book them Dano. Horse, another horse named JP's Laundry. I don't know what to think of that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll see. Sounds sounds like my uh, my divorce right there. <laughs> exactly. Everything but the Book laundry. Yes. All right, partner. Great to chat with you as always. Uh, we'll be watching you on News Channel 8. Thanks, bud. Good. All right. Uh, quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll uh, tidy things up. We've got um, Dan Orlovsky making crazy statements about the top of the draft. Uh, the Lakers were down 21 last night and came back in one. We might talk a little NBA. And um, what else we got? Uh, uh, oh, uh, we, we've got some college basketball update things that we had to get to as well. So quick break back in three, stay with us. JP here for the Geddes Gordon real estate group and our good friend, Jane Geddes folks. Simply put, there is nobody like Jane. Jane is a former LPGA two-time major championship winner. She was also vice president of talent relations at WWE. She also has a law degree from Stetson. So if, Jane can drain a 10-footer to win the U.S. Open and stare down Hulk Hogan in the boardroom. You want Jane on your real estate team to not only negotiate the best deal, but find you the perfect home or investment property. And when you work with the Geddes Gordon Group, you become part of the real estate family and get concierge services that include expertly staging, marketing, and preparing your home for sale. Advice on golf properties. Hey, you might even get some golf tips. Many of their clients become friends long after the sale or purchase is completed. It's all part of the deal. So if you're looking for that perfect home or investment property or try to get top dollar for your home, go with Jane Geddes and the Geddes Gordon Group because there's nobody like Jane. Call 813-485-6808 or go to geddesgordon.kw.com. That's G-E-D-D-E-S gordon.kw.com or call 813-485-6808. All right, this is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just 
Get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Is getting a home equity line a good idea right now with rates so high? Well, I put that question to my good friend Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services, and he says it all depends on where you're at financially. Many of us with ridiculous inflation have been charging up those credit cards, right? At 29% interest, hoping to catch up, but that ain't happening. Those interest payments are killing you. So yes, a consolidation loan and tapping into that crazy equity in your house is a great idea. That strategy can drop your monthly nut by thousands of dollars and stop wasting money on those interest payments. Fitz, the mortgage guy, has done thousands of loans for the past 25 years in Tampa Bay. Just did one for a former colleague who was a manager for a big bank mortgage division. He knows Scott is an independent broker and can get him a way better deal than at his own big bank. AMS Tampa has way lower overhead and gives you the savings. So if you're worried about fees and closing costs, have the free consultation with Scott and look at the actual numbers. It may shock you what he can do. Be smart. Stay one step ahead. Email Fitz at Scott at AMSTampa.com, Scott at AMSTampa, or call 813-294-7595. Scott Fitzgerald, MLS 386-722. American Mortgage Services, 1000 North Ashley Drive, Suite 1020. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show on FanStream Sports. All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show, brought to you by the great folks at American Mortgage Service. You just heard me talking about Scott Fitzgerald, uh, best customer service out there. If you're looking for a mortgage or a refi, uh, Scotty is your man. Uh, reach him, Scott, at AMS Tampa. And uh, Jane, the Jane Geddes Group, Geddes Gordon Group, if you're looking for a new property, get back in the real estate game now, folks, because once uh, once the, these interest rates drop even further, everybody's going to be back in that's been sitting on the sideline. Prices are going to go crazy. So get in while you can with the Geddes Gordon Group and American Mortgage Services. All right. Uh, excuse me. I wanted to get to a couple of college things. You mentioned this um, with the draft that Dan Orlovsky said this morning that Jaden Daniels would be his number one guy. I wondered at what point this was going to start because I've already heard, you know, some people say the same thing about Drake May, that he should be the number one overall pick that the Bears are looking at. And let's keep in mind that the Bears haven't said that they're definitely going to make that pick of Caleb Williams yet. Um you know, of course, the Bears historically been so bad, never had a quarterback throw for, what, 40 touchdowns or, or 4,000 yards. Not 40, 30. I think it's even 30. Never had a quarterback throw 30 touchdowns or or, or over 4,000 yards. So they they can't get quarterback right. Caleb Williams is sitting there. A lot of people think he's the consensus number one and a quote can't miss. But I think it's, I think it's far from a done deal. A far from a done deal, and I think there there should be question marks about him. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying Caleb Williams won't end up meeting the expectations, and I'm not going to root against a kid or anything like that. I just, again, there's like this whole long, drawn-out process of the draft that I just cannot stand where all these things that allow us to get said. And I said this on Monday show, I think. I think this whole generational tagline yeah. that we just attached to prospects, and it's not just Caleb Williams, by the way. And this draft is very unique because the two quote-unquote generational prospects that you hear about are Caleb Williams and, and Marvin Harrison Jr. And mm-hmm. I guess Brock Bowers on top of that as well. Yeah. I'll set Brock aside for now. 
because I tend to think that he does look a little different. He, um, he to me, of all those guys, is the most can't-miss guy. Right. Like I, you know, I just don't see how he's not going to be a top-five well, title yeah. in, this, in this league. And that was, that's kind of my point. It's like, I just don't, for one second, think that Caleb Williams, and I've started to dive into all three of them, I don't see how he's substantially better, if he is, than Daniels or May. I just don't see it that way. I think that if someone decided to be really bold and pick someone ahead of Caleb Williams, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, they, they whipped. I just don't see it that way. It's the same thing with Marvin. Like, do I think Marvin Harrison Jr. too? I think he's the best receiver in the draft. Yes, I think he's probably the most sure bet. But at yeah. the same time, Malik Neighbors and Roma Dunze and most other drafts are going to be number one receivers. Yeah. Slam, no doubt about it. And they're both going to go probably within the top 10 picks, maybe even the top eight picks or whatever. Yeah. Like, if you'd miss out on the perceived generational guy, I don't think these teams are really going to be hurting themselves in the long run. That's my biggest issue. And to act like Caleb Williams is like polished as could be, again, I don't mean to tear him down. I'm not doing that because there are pluses to his games, but we've mentioned it a little bit. All these crazy plays that we see him make, they're impressive as hell. I'm not going to tell you they're not. And there's something to be said about playing off script, but so much of the NFL is about playing on script and playing within the system. And there's things that I think Caleb Williams has passed up and it shows up on his film. And again, not saying he can't work through those things. Uh, Patrick Mahomes worked through those things, clearly, from what he had in college. But again, it's just that generational word that I keep coming back to that just, I think, bothers me a little bit. I think just we need to settle down a little bit. Throwing it's that word around. problematic because of the position. You know, quarterback is so hard to predict in the NFL um, just because it's such a tough job to do and and I think it's even harder now because these college offenses are so different well I, I think that the pro offenses are coming closer to the college offenses because you, they're just not training up quarterbacks old drop back pocket quarterbacks like they used to they're hard to find because they're not really doing that in college anymore um and when you do find a, a say a Brock Purdy uh he, he it's different I mean look what he, he and we devalue that we devalue a guy who who doesn't have the strongest arm but it's great at throwing anticipation and reading the field. I mean, to me, Brock Purdy looks so much like a Joe Montana. They, they're just very similar in the way they deliver the ball, their size, the way they play, the team they play for. I mean, it's just, but those those things aren't valued anymore. Unless you're six foot five, have a you know, can throw it 80 yards, can run a four-four, you're not a quote, can't miss guy. And I don't know if it it that's why I think it's so hard to predict guys uh, playing quarterback in this league. It's just it's just different, and um, you know we'll see with Caleb, with Caleb Williams. But I, you know, that's I mean, he's going to be he's call. going to be the number one pick. I mean, whether whether we agree with it or not, he's going to be the number one pick. Not according to Dan Orlovsky. Well, that's Dan's opinion. Yeah, just like we have our opinions. But I would have to think the Bears are pretty set on Caleb Williams because well, what if the Bears aren't making that pick? What if they trade the pick? They're making that pick. Mm, we'll see. I, I, Justin Williams, they're Justin Williams. Justin Fields has not showed enough, in my opinion, to warrant passing up the first overall pick with the shot to take at least one of these three or four quarterbacks. That's just my opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, and here's the other thing: the the Bears could move back two spots and still get one of the three. Right. And like, what if, like, what if the a, Commanders pick for up example, an extra one and a three? Who what knows? If the Commanders, for example, picking at two, and mm-hmm. especially as they hired Cliff, and obviously Cliff worked with Caleb. Right, and you have to think that he'd be really enamored with him. What if they really right. want him so bad? Yep. And the commanders, under new ownership, want to make a splash. 
Right. And Josh Harris, and by the way, Josh Harris is involved, whether he should be or not is, is, is up for debate. He's involved in everything that's going on at this combine with the interviews. Like you usually don't see owners. The basketball guy? Huh? The The basketball basketball guy. guy. Correct. Yeah. yeah, He's involved in all these interviews, I guess they're doing at the, at the combine. And I have a feeling that Josh, he's going to make the pick. I mean, that's just, what's going to happen. The owner's going to make that pick. It ain't going to be Dan Quinn. It's not going to be the GM. He's going to make that pick. Um, you saw what happened last year when a certain other owner decided to make that pick and how that turned out, Mr. Mm-hmm. Tepper. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but Bryce Young was the can't-miss kid, remember? It wasn't Correct. to me. I was and after 11 like, games when it wasn't small. working out, he's he decided to blow up everything. Right. Everything. Yeah. 11 games in, yeah. Correct. So, yeah. But my point was well, the other that, problem though, with Tepper the is Tepper yeah, hired commanders, a coach that didn't want the quarterback. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So my, basically my point of saying is if the commanders decide that they are dead set on Caleb or nothing, I think they would give a ransom to Chicago. And I mean, hell, Chicago pulled the ransom last year. Why not do it again? Right. Exactly. Um, and, you know, build that roster. Um, all right. A couple other things I want to get to. Um, uh, the Lakers were 21 down last night. 21 down. Do you see this, Nick? And LeBron outscored the Clippers himself. And and came back and um, they won the game by four points. It's an incredible performance by LeBron. And as much as you know, we don't talk NBA on this this show very much. That was a performance for the ages. I mean, he was in the zone. I watched the highlights this morning. I'm like, damn, at thirty was he thirty nine? Right at thirty nine years old, this guy when he needs to get it done can still get it done. He's a you know, as much as I, I I don't like his politics and a lot of these other things that that the shenanigans that he does, the dude can still freaking play, man. And it, at 39 years old, he can dominate a game against the best in the world. The shape that he's in and what he can still accomplish is is mind blowing. Is absolutely yeah, there, there, there's a there's a thing with LeBron where no matter what the roster around him looks like, yeah, or what the situation is, the head coach, I'm never gonna just. It's kind of how it was with Brady, I guess, and some of these other guys. Tiger, the great ones have this quality. Yep. It's hard to just completely throw dirt on them, cover them up. It yeah. really is. I mean, we forget the Lakers last year, for all their faults, they got to the conference final. Yeah. I mean. Exactly. I mean, it, 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 you just got <laughs> to get into the tournament earlier this year, right? Right. I mean, you just got to get into the thing. And when you get into the thing, I mean, LeBron's got to be motivated, I mean, to probably get at least one more before he's done with. You got to take him out. Exactly. It ain't that easy. It's not easy. So, yeah, he, he's incredible. For 39 years old at that sport where it's so mm-hmm. much about your athleticism, yep. I don't think it's ever going to be seen again. I really don't. So a couple other things. Um, I get this NIL newsletter every day, and it's really, really interesting if you're you know into college sports and what NIL is because NIL is obviously changing the entire landscape of, of college sports and everything, not just, not just you know men's football and basketball, but across – across the entire deal. I mean, Caitlin Clark, by the way, um, broke the record last night of all um, Division One women's scorers, and she's 18 points away from breaking Pistol Pete's record. Jeez. And, and she was amazing last night, and um, she's must-see TV. She's so good, um, and her NIL deal is, is ridiculous. Uh, but what, what was interesting is a couple things. Jackson Dart, the Ole Miss quarterback, Signed a deal with a private jet company and can now take free private jet trips everywhere, anywhere he wants to go in the United States. 
question is is he is he taking a private jet to the games now is he not gonna is he not gonna fly with his team i'm thinking he you know no. he will still but it's like he could if he wanted to um how does that change the whole deal um there's another there was another article about how the nil is now depleting the depth of the nil nfl draft because uh so many According to NFL scouts and general managers, the 2024 draft class has very little depth, and that has to do with NIL becoming a viable compensation option and thus giving players a reason to stay in school longer. Did you ever think you'd see this? Uh, quote, the NFL released a memo today that with all draft-eligible underclassmen, only 34 names appeared on the list. For reference, over 140 juniors declared in 2019. Um, I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing because I think a lot of players just jump early because they need the money and now they can stay and develop their games. And I think this would be great for basketball as well, because I think too many players jump early for the NBA. They're not ready for it. Their bodies aren't ready for it. They're not good enough. They sit on the bench. They never develop. Look at, look at like the quarterback position is a good one to point out. Yeah. Look at what the, what NIL and the transfer portal and, the eligibility and all these type of things has done wonders for so many quarterbacks that Mm -hmm. like Kenny Pickett, for example, like we laughed that he was always 25 when he came into the NFL. Yeah. Well, he had so much time to stay in college. He turned himself into a first round pick. That's right. And it's the same thing this year for, uh, you know, Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix and Bo Nix. The list goes on and on and on these quarterbacks who otherwise would have been forced to come out. Uh-huh. 21, 22 years old, when they just were not ready, they were able to stay in college, maybe go to a better situation, a better fit, better program, and turn themselves into a viable uh, prospect and land in a good situation. And now you're getting a jump start on your NFL career a little bit um, in a really good situation. So I do think it actually has been good in certain situations for the NFL, regardless if you think the the depth of these classes isn't there. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it I think it's good for for uh both college football and basketball. Yeah. Uh another interesting um uh story here on NIL, uh, a slice of the pie is the name of a a NIL business that is now being run by Syracuse students. Um so they're 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 uh basically going to the athletes at Syracuse and say, "Hey, we'll we'll represent you guys to get deals." As a quote from uh, one of the the, uh, the founders, Brandon Gilbert, said, the selling point now is, do you want a team of 10 hungry, motivated college students to just email for you every single day, no strings attached, um, posting up in an apartment every Friday, Gilbert and his team work on branding and finding deals for their clients during the school year. And now they're reaping the rewards. They get their own part from getting deals for us, said Syracuse linebacker David Amapariola. So it's like they just not just chilling. They're actually always working to get us paid. How cool is that? I mean, you want to talk about learning skills in college that are going to yeah. help you all the rest of your life. These guys are running freaking NIL businesses now, yeah. making money and uh, working with the athletes that are there. You know, I mean, the, the adults um, that used to take all the money must be looking at this just going, Jesus, they figured it out. Dad, gummit, you know, you can't take <laughs> you know, advantage of them anymore. all the money yeah. that used to go, you know, from sponsorships that used to go into the program. I think it's great. Yeah, I do too. Uh, hey, by the way, I was just patrolling the uh, the Twitter web here, and I saw this tweet. Um, 
this is about the report card thing because you were talking yeah. about you know some of these players should have seen what it was like back then. Um, Booger chimed in <laughs> and said uh, the Bucks have a state of the art facility. If they want to know what poor conditions is like, the group should have <laughs> trained at the old facility. Uh, and then and he he responded to Greg Allman and, and Greg said probably better they didn't have report cards back in the day there at, at the old one buck and Booger said I didn't need a report card two words on every line below standard <laughs> and they won a they won a world championship so by there the you way. go they won a Super Bowl yeah I'm just you know, I, I'm yeah come on what are we talking about here I mean this is this is just um, spoiled kids who who've been given everything and look i know they i know these guys work hard and they earn their stuff but come on i mean we're making all this stuff public like the food you know having having basically your own personal chef make you whatever you want every time you walk into that's not good enough it's not wolf game puck jp come Come on on, man i mean you're bitching about child care on a sunday when you're making five million dollars a year you're bitching about not having your own room. You want your own room? Pay the money, you know? But yeah. again, I could point the finger at the Glazers too and say, what are you doing? Like how much is enough for you? Right. And, you're, and how much profit do you need to make? You know, an extra hundred thousand is going to cover the, you know, cover this for the, for the players. It's just, it's like, again, yeah. it's billionaires arguing with millionaires about who's paying for what. I don't care. Shut up. Yeah. All of you. Um, so lightning play tonight against uh, Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, I was gonna say this by the way. We didn't talk much lightning today, but um, you know, I've come to real- the realization of, and it's a harsh one. I think I'm almost ready to make my evaluation of the lightning complete at this point. I don't think I'm getting too ahead of myself, JP. Yeah. And they are what they are an average hockey team. They are bang average. Uh, they are 32, 24, and five. That means they're essentially 32 and 29. They have a goal differential of plus one. Mm-hmm. They're five and five in their last 10. Mm-hmm. The only teams in the NHL to give up more goals than them this season is the murderers row known as the Montreal Canadians, the Columbus blue jackets, mm. the San Jose sharks mm. and the Chicago Blackhawks. It's not a, that's not a list of the elite. Of I have decided hockey. that this is just who the lightning are at this point. Um, they're bang average. There's there's no consistency to what they do. I don't think this is their year because this is not 88's year. Let's just let's rip the band-aid off. I, I was giving time to see Vasilevsky go ahead and, and get going a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he's just I don't see the same lateral quickness in him this year. And maybe yeah. that's unfair to ask of that because of the injury. And I'm at the point where I think he probably rushed back from the injury. He just doesn't have it this year. And the lightning, let's be honest, a lot of the years. Let's not act like they had the greatest defensive play in front of him, but he saved the day most of the time. He just can't do it this year, and I don't think they have the horses. I don't think making one move at the deadline to get one guy in is going to change this this team's makeup dramatically because I don't think there's enough there. Mm -hmm. Steven Stamkos, for what it's worth, haven't talked much about him. Guess what? Because he's not doing anything. He scored four points in the entire month of February. Four points. Uh, he's been one actually statistically one of the worst even strength players in the league for the time of ice that he gets. Yeah. Um, don't want to use the word power play merchant, but pretty damn close to it. Um, How much you think the whole contract situation pissed him off is affecting him 
I don't think it's that. I just think he's he's listen. He, he's doesn't he's not the skater he used to be. I think it's that, and I I see him shying away from getting into battles on the boards and stuff. And I think that's typical when you get you age a little bit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And maybe when he's looking out for another contract, that might go into that a little bit, like you said. Yep. Um. But yeah, yep. I don't I don't see the same effectiveness with with Stammer. Uh, not saying he's a bad player or anything. It's just not the typical Stammer you would expect. And so yeah, and. I don't know if it's the best strategy at this point with this group to just keep parting ways with, with uh, your draft capital that you have left or whatever uh, to keep this going at the moment because I just don't think this is their year. That's just my take on it. Might be unpopular, but I listen. I I can't I can't disagree a lot with that. I mean, the numbers are what they are, um, and and you know when you're talking about hockey and these these analyst numbers. You know, this is this is fact. You want to look at the Lightning and their pedigree and say, okay, they're a better team. They can flip the switch. They can do it. You know, wait till it, it really their backs are against the wall. That's when they play their best hockey. I can use all those cliches, but what you're talking about is 100% true. Now, I can also tell you, I, I could have showed you those same numbers, you know, for the St. Louis Blues when they won the Cup. I could tell you the same numbers for the Panthers last year at about this time, and they damn near won the Cup. So hockey's a fickle game, and in the in the in the playoffs are just a different animal, and the Lightning have the pedigree in the playoffs. I could say if I was going to counter, I'd say, you know, Vassy is still not back and and healthy to where he is. I would agree with that. And, and the bottom line is, last year and this year, Vassy hasn't been the superhero that we have come to know that he was during the Cup runs. And I've always said this about the Lightning, even when they were winning cups, and they go through lulls. They go through lulls when he wasn't super hero and and the lightning need Vasilevsky to be the greatest goalie in the world for them to be an elite team I think that I think that's just fair and right now he's not he's not and the lightning aren't so and I think it, are, is he going to get back into that form back injuries you never know you just never know did he rush back early he could have he could have He's just not the same big cat that we've seen. Right. And the lightning either need to pick it up around him or, you know, find, you know, find a different way to win because right now he's not that guy. Um, will he get there by the playoffs? It could happen. You know, we're still what two months post surgery or not, I mean, two points, two months, you know, post him coming back. Is that Get enough time? Yeah. Is that enough time for him to get back to that, that form? Probably not. Probably not. It just it just is what it is. It's just kind of where I'm at with it. Like, it doesn't mean that they're completely like they've turned into Pittsburgh all of a sudden. It's not that. It's just right. I don't think this is their year. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Unless something changes, um, I think that's fair. All right, uh, great job, Nick. As always, uh, we appreciate Dan Lucas joining us. Uh, Evan Kolaski is going to join us tomorrow from new uh, from uh, Channel Ten. So we'll uh, get his thoughts on. He's always got a lot of thoughts on on the Rays Stadium, the Rays in general, um, Bucks Buccaneers. I'm sure he'll have plenty of thoughts on the report card. So we'll chat with him tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody. We will. Uh, we'll see you then.